This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. Some personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the top three podcast crew, Zolgeek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, J.D., Doug Leaf, Jason Emery, and many more have all gone to patreon.com slash realdavejackson to kick me a few bucks and support the show. I appreciate all of you very much, and you, listener, can be just like them. All patrons of the show get bonus episodes, voting on games to appear on the show, and much more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash realdavejackson. Any and all support is always appreciated. And with that being said, let us get on with the show. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Roost Jackson, and this is Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to bring a game out of the backlog, play it, and talk about our experiences. I got two wonderful guests with me today. Both are friends of the show. First up, a tabletop RPG designer and podcaster from Halftone Takes, Adam Baby Eagle Bucheri. Welcome back, Adam. That's me, Baby Eagle. <laughs> We're also joined today by host of Jala Chan's Place and co-host on the Level Podcast, Jala Condor One Prendes. Welcome to the show, Jala. Hey, how's it going? Good to have you both on the show. We've been uh, talking about this game we're going to talk about today, Resident Evil 4 Remake, for a while. Jala, welcome for the first time. And Adam, welcome back. Uh, oddly enough, we talked about Shadow of the Colossus last time, another game with prominent remake conversation in that episode, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was something that uh, I believe I brought up during that episode was my skepticism about the Resident Evil 4 remake and yeah. <laughs> uh, delighted to delighted to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. So um, before we get into talking about Resident Evil 4 remake, I want to give you both the customary time at the beginning of the episode to talk about the stuff that you make. So Jala, it's your first time on the show. So what is going on at Jala Chan's place and on the level? Yeah, so uh, Jala Chan's Place is a podcast where I alternate between talking about media, like movies and books and things like that, and topics like life topics, such as death positivity or gender or whatever, and um, one of those each month, and that is at jalachan.place, and mm -hmm. other than that, I'm also on The Level Podcast, which is pertinent to the folks who listen to this because that's a video game roundtable show. So mm -hmm. uh, I am a rotating host, so that means that I am not on every single episode. I am on random episodes, but you can check out all the ones that I am on at thelevelpodcast.com slash hosts slash Jala. Awesome. Um, I listen to both of your shows. Uh, I've been listening to The Level for a long time now. 
And uh, I really love that show. I love the the cast of personalities and the the structure of the show is just really great. What are you playing? What's in the news? Other, uh, you know, submissions from the community and stuff like that. It's a it's a good show. And Jalachan's Place is a lot newer, but um, I really love kind of, like you said, you talk about the media that you want to talk about, video games, movies, stuff like that. But the topic episodes are... Um, important i feel like the conversations that like are really interesting super well researched and conversations that people should be having or listening to so i appreciate all the stuff that you do right right thank you i appreciate that um i try to the best of my ability to get different people on who have different backgrounds and situations to bring to the table so it's not like an echo chamber of everybody being from the same kind of situation so you get Mm -hmm. a lot of variety of opinion absolutely uh and adam last time you were on the show we talked a little bit about your game enter the survival enter the survival horror there we go uh very pertinent to this game that we're talking about today, though, Resident Evil 4. So once again, tell everybody about that game and then also Halftone Takes, the new podcast. Yeah. Uh, before I do that, I do also just want a plus one Jala Chan's place. Mm-hmm. Not trying to to just be flattering. Uh, it's genuinely one of my favorite podcasts. It's a wonderful show. Please check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. As for me, I am, uh, I am an animator, a game designer. And a uh, podcaster now, officially, uh, pr- uh-huh. upgrading from just being a <laughs> podcast guest uh, to having my own show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for <laughs> my games, you can find my stuff at boocherry.itch.io. That is boo like ghost, cherry like fruit. I got a bunch of weird stuff up there, including my first dabbling into video games. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's extremely amateurish and has no tutorials and is doesn't <laughs> present well but like for me it's a big first step and I'm excited to to continue trying stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh but for my tabletop work Enter the Survival Horror is my flagship game. It's my big passion project and it is inspired by Resident Evil. Uh it's really cool. I think it's good. Uh if you're interested in it, check it out. I have free community copies available. Download it for free, you know, no guilt. Just check it out. And if you like it, support me. Uh, it, it's a cool game. Uh, as for my new show, Halftone Takes, that is me and my best friend from college, Corey. And we it is a, a conversation show where basically we take turns interviewing each other about stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a formalization of phone calls that we've been having for the last decade. And mm-hmm. uh, at the time of this recording... Episode three on Resident Evil just came out. So if you want to hear me talk more about the franchise at large and talk about like some of those design inspirations and how I brought them over to the tabletop space, uh, that's another resource where you can listen uh, about some of those cool projects. And I'm also a fan of all of Adam's stuff, too. He's run some games for me (laughs) as the GM, and it's been absolutely lovely, including uh, for all of the level hosts and including mm-hmm. on the uh, charity Duckstream event that we do. So that's very, very cool. Also, um, I have been trying to get uh, Enter the Survival Horror into my life further, but I have read <laughs> through the manual, and I'm jumping at the bit to eventually be able to play that. 
Um, but definitely all of his stuff is very fun and very cool. He even made a game just for me. Just for Jala. To do. Yeah, <laughs> like the Dungeon Vermin game. It's very cute and fun. You should check it out on itch.io. Yes, oh, that yeah. uh, that that charity stream that we did of Dungeon Vermin and and the previous charity stream of Harrowing, uh, which is another one of my uh, tabletop games. Both of them are available on my YouTube channel as well. If you want to check them out, I think those are both great times. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so both of you are making really excellent stuff. I listened to that Resident Evil episode on Halftone Takes um, yesterday. Listened to the whole thing while I was working. Really enjoyed it. Uh, so. If people are listening to this episode and they're obviously going to think, hey, Adam knows a thing or two about Resident Evil, there we go. More Resident Evil from Adam. So I am really excited to have both of you on this episode today talking about Resident Evil 4 Remake. This is a survival horror third-person shooter developed and published by Capcom for contemporary consoles, except for the Switch, as always, and PC in 2023. This is a remake of the original Resident Evil 4 from 2005. Now, the spoiler policy for this episode, this one's a little bit odd, a little different, because this is a remake of a beloved game, and crucially, a remake of a game that all three of us played the original and played the remake. So we cannot avoid talking about the original in this episode, even in the non-spoiler part. So I'm not going to fight that. We are going to make comparisons to the original game. We're not going to spoil the story and we're not going to get too deep into the weeds for people who haven't played, but we will be referring to the original game quite a bit. And I do want to shout out I did an episode about the original Resident Evil 4 with special guest Michael Mays last year. Go check that episode out if you want the like full explanation of how the original played. I think that was one of uh, the best episodes I've done on the show. Absolutely love that. We're going to hear from Michael as we go through this episode too. So some elevator pitches for RE4 Remake. Um, I had took a really easy one at the beginning. This is Resident Evil 4 as you remember playing it and as you remember loving it, but modernized with a very deft touch. Adam, how about you? My elevator pitch is that it is one of the best remakes ever, while still not replacing the original. Mm-hmm. And Jala. Yeah, I would second that. Um, I would consider it kind of more of a reimagining because some places are pretty faithful and other places they just kind of do a new whole new thing. So, mm-hmm. um, but again, it's a good addition to, but not a replacement for the original. Right. Uh, I played this on PC. It took me 17 hours to get through one playthrough. And then I played a couple more hours on a higher difficulty just to check that out before recording, but 17 hours, 15 to 20, I think is going to be most people's experience. How about you? Sound right? I take a very, very long time when I am just playing through leisurely at my own pace. So like Mm -hmm. I will sit there and burn forever just wandering around because that's how I do. But, Mm -hmm. um, because of time constraints, I ended up having to kind of, uh, start running away from stuff and powering through. <laughs> and so, um, my play clock is not actually accurate at this juncture for that reason, but I do have a save from before I was speeding through so I can eventually find out what my actual play clock is going to be like. Okay. Gotcha. And Adam. Yeah, I put about 35 hours in across two playthroughs. My first playthrough was uh, on hardcore difficulty, 
which was a significant challenge and took uh, quite a bit longer due to approximately 120 deaths along the way. Uh, <laughs> my my second playthrough was on assisted mode because I love doing, uh, after getting a nice challenge, I like to do a victory lap. And that mm-hmm. was about nine hours. So, like, your okay. your playtime will really vary. Hell yeah. So uh, we always begin the episodes uh, properly by talking about our histories with the game itself. Obviously, today we're going to talk about our histories with the original Resident Evil 4 as well, but also what made us want to pick up the remake and play it. So Jala, I'll go to you first. What's your history with RE4? Why do you want to play the remake? Resident Evil 4 original was my first Resident Evil game. That is the first entry that brought me into the series in the first place. So um, you can imagine that was an interesting shift to play that one first and then go back and try to play the other ones uh, that were out before that because they played so differently. But that was how I rolled, apparently. So uh, anyway, since its release, I have been playing it and also nudging other people who haven't played it into playing it ever since. And so, um, you know, it's just been on kind of constant rotation ever since. Uh, that, that, of course, meant that when it came to the remake, it was like a pre-order, obviously. I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't even care if it is terrible. I'm going to play it. Mm? Whatever. Yeah. And Adam. So uh, <clears throat> I am definitely a Resident Evil 4 mega fan. I'm a, a fan of the franchise in general. I do want to take a slight amount of credit and say that my uh, persistent bullying of Dave uh, is what got him to... Uh, really start dipping in t- his toe into horror in general. You were very averse to it at first. And now look yes. at you, buddy. Like, just, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that is completely true. Um, Adam has been kind of poking at the different aspects of what makes horror games good to get me to like branch out a little bit. And I can attribute, like, I would still say that I don't love horror games, but that's kind of a lie at this point now. So, and I can attribute to like my enjoyment of uh, horror games and getting into them and wanting to play the original RE4 in general to mostly Adam. So tell him the truth there, but I'll let you continue. Yeah. Yeah. So Resident Evil 4, my history with it. um, Resident Evil 4 was part of my kind of horror awakening in college where it was like, I, I was very scared of horror media and I didn't want to touch it. And then like back to back, it was like Resident Evil 4 and John Carpenter's The Thing. And then, you know, it was history from that point on. I was hooked. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah, I have played the original game basically once a year since its release. Um <laughs> from software and Resident Evil games are the only games that are like day one purchases uh at this point like i i'm just here for them it's just my thing uh the original is one of my favorite games of all time easily the game that i've replayed the most modern capcom i think has been absolutely knocking it out of the park since resident evil 7 uh and this has been my most hotly anticipated game since elden ring Mm -hmm. uh resident evil 4 vr which came out last year also absolutely rules and it is such an incredible thing to have two exceptional reinventions of the same source material back to back like this. Yeah. <laughs> People like you who love Anjala too, everyone, everyone out there who loves Resident Evil 4 is eating good right about now. You have it yeah. coming from all angles. Can I can I just say 
I love the fact, Adam, that you said horror awakening. That's uh-huh. just, it's, it's like other people, they have a sexual awakening. Adam has a horror awakening. <laughs> I mean, that's, <laughs> that's more or less it's true. Very good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some would say I'm going through a similar thing right now with horror games, uh, but I, I think I can attribute part of that to Resident Evil 4 and other similar like horror games that are actually not that scary. They're just dark mm-hmm. and there's, you know, monsters and stuff like that. So I played this for the first time last year for the Tales from the Backlog episode. It was Adam and also the guest on that episode, Michael Mays, who kind of gave me the push to play it. I remember telling him, uh, Michael, when he said, hey, if you do Resident Evil 4 on your podcast, can I come on? And I was like, I'll never do Resident Evil 4, but (laughs) sure, buddy. So look where we are now. Look at us. Who would have thought? I love that game. Love the original a lot. Uh, it was one of the biggest like expectations versus reality in recent memory playing a, a, a video game. So this was also an automatic day one buy for me. I don't buy a ton of games day one, maybe like five a year or something like that. This one was a no brainer, like a I'm buying it as soon as I get home from work. I'm going to play it as soon as it's done installing like I'm excited. So that gets into some kind of opening thoughts about this and like if it's not totally clear by how happy we all are to be talking about this. Um, This game fucking rules. I absolutely (laughs) love this remake. I like it more than the original, but it's just because like the originals and a plus, and this is like SSS just fantastic pretty much across the board. There's like minor nitpicks that I'm going to make later, but they are not really important in the grand scheme of things for me. Um, And then as far as remakes go, This is like the ideal version of a remake of a game that's very available. The original Resident Evil 4 is on like every single platform. Modern, old, everything since the GameCube probably has RE4 on it, right? So this game's super available. Didn't need to be remade for that purpose. But they reimagined it in such a way that it was an absolute joy to play. And I can't wait to dig into it. How do you all feel? For for me, uh, as I said before, this is a game that doesn't replace the original to me. I still think that the original game holds up tremendously well. And I know mm-hmm. that there are some people who are going to, you know, try to go back to the original and just be completely turned off by the controls. It's something where, like, the game is designed around them. And if you get on its wavelength, I think it really holds up. Like, I still think that... Uh, the encounter design, which I mean, got carried over pretty strongly through to the remake, is still mm-hmm. world class, like rivaled only by maybe Half-Life, really exceptional skeleton. And so I was deeply skeptical when it came to uh, the remakes. Uh, in the Shadow of the Colossus episode, I talked about that. I'm happy to say that I was basically completely wrong. This is a ground-up reimagining which interrogates the core assumptions of the original game and aligns itself to those same goals. Uh, I think it succeeds brilliantly and is pound-for-pound the most mechanically solid game in the franchise. Hell yeah. Anjala. Yeah, so Remake is definitely something that is simultaneously very true to the original, but also, again, markedly different. And um, what Adam was saying about the controls, for example, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but like 
the way that the game is designed, the original is designed, is such that those controls are really intrinsic to the difficulty and the tension in the game. And the tension shifts uh, in the new game, uh, the remake, because it's modernizing those controls. It's changing those controls, so it has to produce that same tension, but how are they going to do that? You know, well, it's not in the controls. It's it's in the way that they do the cameras and the way that they have changed things and the way that they are piling on the enemies, making the enemies more aggressive and so on. Mm-hmm. So uh, either way. So the original is doing one thing. The remake is doing another. They still have the same spirit. And this game, it takes all of the lessons that Capcom has learned from the other remakes that they've done so far. And it also has like particularly from Resident Evil Village, like that theme park kind of um, mission statement when they were making it. And they just mash it all together and have kind of made like this really, really great, you know, again, reimagining of the original. Um, I was also really skeptical about how they were going to do this because I was worried about them trying to match the goofiness from the original and the horror elements that they had because it was this interesting balance of um, being campy and cheesy and then also being actually scary, but (laughs) they did a really good job um, pivoting again, some of that horror from the tanky controls over to enemy and levels of design tweaks that uh, made for a different experience that still holds some of the same qualities. Absolutely. So, We are going to take our first music break, and when we come back, we are going to dive into the story of Resident Evil 4 Remake. We'll see if they can match that tone, or if they tried. So in Resident Evil 4 Remake, just like the original, you play as Leon Kennedy, sent to rural Spain to find and rescue Ashley Graham, the president's daughter. From a village of cultists and possessed farmers who are planning to do some Resident Evil shit to her. (laughs) Same premise and same plot. Like, they didn't reinvent the entire story for the remake, Um, but they remixed things, they cut things, they added things. Um, The biggest difference that stood out to me is that this is a much more modern game, uh, a lot less male gazy, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, making those types of comments to Ashley compared to the original game, and a little bit less playful in its tone than the original game, while still keeping some of that goofy uh, tone. You know, it's not a serious game by any means, but it is a little bit less goofy. Right, right. Now, about male gaze, uh, you say that, and the first thing I think of is how every time Ada shows up, it zooms in on her butt. So, I mean... (laughs) Shit, I forgot about Ada. Dave, Dave, really. Ashley. I was thinking (laughs) Luis and Ashley, stuff like that. So, yeah, but (laughs) Ashley is a much stronger and more autonomous character. She actually is given some kind of, um, you know, uh, force and presence of her own that isn't just, Mm -hmm. Leon, help! You know, so that's really refreshing uh, that they have actually given her something to do and so on. But we'll get there. Yeah, I'll also just uh, real quick throw in that they emphasize that like 
it's cold weather and characters dress more appropriately for cold weather in this game. Mm-hmm. Although Ada still has stilettos on. I can't get <laughs> over Ada's stilettos. They're so silly. They somehow feel sillier <laughs> than the original dress, but we'll, we'll uh, get there. No, no amount of like you get used to what wearing high heels. No amount of that makes sense for the terrain in this muddy ass village <laughs> that they're doing their stuff in. Okay, as somebody who is, I am actually a dancer, I have eight inch heels, and Mm -hmm. I don't walk on the back part of the heel, I walk on the ball of the foot, and so Mm -hmm. all your weight's on the front of that, so there are actually dancing heels that don't even have a stiletto on the back of them, they're just like the front part, and then it's just missing a heel, it's just not even included in there, because you can actually jack somebody up if you accidentally hit them with, with that stiletto. Oh, true. So, Maybe that's why she's wearing them. She's going to fuck yeah. up some ganados with those stilettos. <laughs> well, anyway, if she's on the ball of her foot, it doesn't even matter because she's not even touching that stiletto to the ground. Fair enough. Although I would, I, I, I want there to be dead leaves stuck to her. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about the, the, the tone of this. Like, obviously you both have much more, uh, familiarity with Resident Evil, the franchise, and like the tone of the franchise, I only know about Resident Evil Four. But mm-hmm. what one of the things I really liked about the original game is how goofy it is, and how like not seriously they are taking this story at all. It's very playful. It's very camp. And I wondered how you both feel about the rework in the remake because it's not the same. But how do we feel? Uh, the game retains a lot of its cheesy one-liner like 80s action movie sensibilities uh there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of brand new one-liners it's not just carrying over legacy ones you know everyone uh uh seemingly lost their minds over the ah they kept where's everyone going bingo which like (laughs) is very funny but it's that wasn't like a mission statement of like every one-liner that you remember is gonna stay in here Uh like they they do rework a lot of it and in general, there's a shift towards not realism, but like sensibility, maybe. Things feel a little bit more grounded, feel like they have a little bit more of a sense of place, which is a mixed bag because it does, I think, lend a greater sense of cohesion to some of it. But it also means that some beloved, absolutely fucking bizarro, <laughs> wacky set pieces uh, get excluded, which are part of the charm of the original. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the way that this game is presenting itself, even though it's not trying to take itself 100% more seriously, it is still taking itself more seriously than the original is. And mm-hmm. the original is a fun, wild ride on its own because you really don't even know what's going to happen when you get to some of the exchanges and some of those uh, sections of levels that... You're just like, this is wild. I can't believe this is in this game. How does this make sense? Like, that's, that's my, my kind of constant question with Resident Evil games. <laughs> How is this suddenly an Indiana Jones movie or whatever? Because <laughs> yeah. it'll just do that to you and you just have to roll with it. But, um, at the same time, it does therefore give itself more of that kind of horror vibe, the survival elements, you know, all of that kind of stuff and gives it the, darker aspect to it um without relying on maybe just the visuals to present that you know yeah so i agree overall it's it's a lot less goofy 
than the original was. But then if you take this and compare it to a lot of other games, um, horror games, stuff like that, it is still very goofy and cheesy and funny uh, throughout the game. So like, Mm -hmm. even though we say that that stuff is downgraded a bit, um, I'm thinking of a couple of like very famous set pieces from the beginning that, like you said, Jala, like uh, Indiana Jones shit, or you're like, how does this make sense? It doesn't make any sense, but it's goofy as hell. So I love it. Like a lot of that stuff's not in the remake, but it's still a very goofy game. Um, I wanted to add in the first of um, some comments from Michael who joined me on the original RE4 episode uh, just because, you know, he's a giant fan of Resident Evil 4 and I wanted his take included in this remake episode too. So uh, Michael says regarding the tone, um, honestly, I wanted to them to keep up the high camp, but after seeing the result, I don't think the original tone would work very well in the remake-iverse the re make verse I, that was my addition. Michael knows what he's saying. I tend to find most lore in the re universe to be a bit long in the tooth and uninteresting, but the additions to the village, the cult, the villains, etc., overall felt very smart to me. Capcom gave me what I wanted rather than what I thought I wanted. So it's kind of a subjective downgrade to me, but it's hard to find fault with the way it's executed, especially when the new tone coheres so well with the more realistic and overall darker visual aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason I'm talking about the tone is because like the Resident Evil 4 story is not like it's not the most memorable story. There's a bunch of twists and people doing new and improved evil shit to other characters throughout the story. Resident Evil shit is the new moniker I'm giving <laughs> to this type of stuff. Uh, so there's a lot of Resident Evil shit going on in the story, but it's it's not like I'm going to play through this and be like, uh, this story made an impact on me in any way at all. It's more just like a horror amusement park going through these different places. And then we have this cheesy tone, like a, you know, a movie type tone that really adds another like dimension to the experience, much less than the plot, you know, it's like a popcorn flick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the stuff that's memorable even with the original, was not anything about, like, plot. It was just, like, charismatic performances, goofy lines, bizarre set pieces that, like, stand out in your memory, you know? (laughs) Uh, It it has a little bit of a Mad Libs quality to it, while still just feeling, like, uh, uh, intentional and and part of, like, a deliberate whole. Is this something that's consistent throughout the Resident Evil series as I start to gear up to play others in the series? They're all bug nuts. <laughs> <laughs> there uh this is this is something that like I have extremely strong opinions on. Every Resident Evil game is different in terms of its tone. None of them I think even attempt to do the exact same thing as another one. Okay. And some of those tones really work for me and some of those tones really don't. Resident Evil Zero with singing leech lizard wizards uh, is absolutely not fun to me. It just, <laughs> it, it really is weird. Resident Evil 8 didn't really work for me. Like, it's got that theme park thing, but each uh, uh, section of the theme park felt really disjointed. Um, this This one stands as one of the more fun tones with one of the more consistent, uh, like internally consistent uh, aesthetics across the board, like aesthetics. Yeah, I would agree with that. When I say they're all bug nuts, I didn't say that they were all bug nuts in the same way. 
They, but they are all bug nuts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so there's no like very serious Resident Evil game out there. No. Okay. That's cool. Cause I like this tone a lot. Um, I like the cheesy one-liners. I like uh, Leon being a complete idiot. Uh, I like him as a character that way. And it would mm. be a shame if, um, well, I mean, I guess if they want to do different things and do it well, that's cool. But I, this thing I really like. So um, we talked a little bit about the characters. Uh, the characters are all kind of, well, Leon is this, you know, ultimate cop, but also ultimate idiot type character. Um, <laughs> but the other characters especially the villains that you meet and also Luis who you meet pretty early in the game are all these big outsized personality type characters in the original. They're a bit toned down in the remake here, uh, especially the villains I found to be a lot less fun in this. They were just kind of there, especially the two biggest villains in my opinion. They're just kind of like in your way. They talk to you sometimes, but they're really not as fun as the, original it's probably my biggest criticism of the remake is kind of toning them down yeah we'll we'll get more into the specifics past the spoiler wall when we really talk about <clears throat> each individual villain and how they relate to their previous incarnation um mm -hmm. my my big problem is that across the board the villains just feel like they have less screen time there's just less talking there's less conversations and there's less time to get to to you know feel the the rivalry between them mm -hmm. uh there's kind of four major villains in this game there's kind of like th one for each uh major section of the game the game is split into like three distinct uh areas and then mm -hmm. one overarching villain and one of them i think is pretty good and the other ones uh don't leave that much of an impression on this go round yeah, for me, I would say that the the um, villains just kind of have a layer of separation from Leon. Um, in the original game, you have some of the villains who are kind of matching Leon in his tone of being a complete goof. Mm -hmm. And so that's not something that you really get in the remake. And that is um, a marked change. And I don't think I know anybody offhand that I can I can uh, focus on at the moment that actually has enjoyed that shift because they liked that kind of um, back and forth that was going on with that matched tone. And, you know, the villains here, because this is a darker, you know, more slightly more serious version of the game, like the villains are trying to be serious and they're not spending all their time on the radio talking to Leon or whatever. Like they're off doing whatever villain stuff they're doing. Resident Evil mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. So yeah, Resident they're doing the Resident Evil shit off screen. <laughs> and that means that you just don't see enough of them to care so much. Yeah. So we have talked a little bit about um, aesthetic. We've called it a darker uh, game. Let's take this opportunity to listen to a little bit of music and then come back and talk about what this game looks like and the horror in it. So first things first, 
This remake looks incredible, in my opinion. One of the best-looking games I've played in a long time. Uh, the original, I commented when I played it, was extremely brown and sometimes yes. gray, but mostly brown. This game has all of the modern uh, lighting, all of course, textures and things like that, too. But this game looks incredible. And I want to give them a shout out, too, for the way this game runs on PC. You know, a lot of new games have a lot of trouble running on. Maybe it's all the different specs that all the people's PCs might have that cause problems when trying to optimize it. But a lot of new games come out with just bad performance on PC. And this one is really great. Really great. Uh, I was able to get 4K with ray tracing, 80 FPS the entire game no trouble. Like I have a nice PC, but that's not been my experience with a lot of the other, even not so new games I've played on my nice PC. So I want to give them a shout out there, but back to visuals. Fucking great. I will say you are lucky for it working on your computer. Well, because, uh, there is at least one, maybe two people that I know that they were playing it on PC also. And the game started just crashing immediately, depending upon their visual settings and stuff on their mm, computers. So, okay. um, yeah. And then there, there was this whole thing where Capcom turned off like the ray tracing or something for a little bit. I don't know if they turned it back on. So, mm. but yeah, it looks wonderful if you can get it to run. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Historically, the RE engine uh, has looked and ran great. Uh, there there has been a, a weird thing recently where something about some of their settings has uh, caused problems and issues. Don't know what that's about. Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a bummer, but it still looked and ran great, even if it wasn't at uh, tippity-top settings on my rig. Mm-hmm. And Jolly, you played this on Steam Deck for a little bit, right? Did it run okay there? Yeah, it ran fine on Steam Deck. It's just that that's a very small screen to be yes, <laughs> to be is. playing it on. So I switched over to PC from there. Mm -hmm. I um I played the original on Switch, um, and the small screen normally doesn't bother me. But like games like this, I, I given like the the ultimate choice, I'll probably stick with the bigger screen from now on. But the original ran great on Switch too. Um, so mm -hmm. anyway. I talk about visuals because I think that this game is scarier than the original. Uh, and mostly, in my opinion, it's because of the lighting in this game. They have a lot of, you know, modern lighting techniques uh, to cast shadows and put like a single light source in a room and have it like semi-realistically light up the room the way it should. And there are a lot more um, dark places in this game than the original. I found this to be scarier uh, not talking about tension with the combat. We'll talk about that later, but just spooks. I thought this was scarier. I don't know if you both felt the same. Uh, I definitely felt like it was, you know, darker and more atmospheric. They've got like some great fog and rain that, uh, you know, really, I think helps enhance it. There's a couple of like distinct moments in the game that they really push the horror that they want you to feel uh uh more tension than mm -hmm. you necessarily do in the original um the very first opening cabin uh you know 
we're, we're not past the spoiler wall, but it's the first thing that happens in the game. Oh, yeah, uh, it's like 10 minutes in. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really reinvent that and expand on it and lean into the horror in a big way on that. And I think that's a great first impression. Um, but similar to the Resident Evil 2 remake, which leads heavily with horror and then doesn't really you know, isn't really about that throughout the whole runtime. I don't think that this game is, uh, it, it is scarier and it leads stronger and it has a couple of sharp horror moments. I don't think this is a, a tremendously scary game on the curve still. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like I, there, there were parts in the original that I was much more scared of than in this one. I didn't find myself, myself going, Oh, I'm really like just worked up about this environment or anything. I was like, Oh, it looks very nice. I don't know. I, <laughs> I was just fine. I don't know. <laughs> didn't in, bother me. In general me. though, uh, Jala, you, you've talked to me about horror stuff and, uh, it, it takes a lot to, to really affect you. Yeah, it's, I don't jump scare. I just kind of go, oh, okay, there's a thing, you know, blow it up because it jumped at me. Okay. So, yeah, yeah um, <laughs> this is very true. So, but it is, uh, it does have far more atmosphere and it does have um, more of that kind of shrouding in darkness and mm -hmm. having things around corners in a way and in places you don't expect them to be. Uh, we kind of had a discussion about some of those instances when we were chatting mm -hmm. in the green room about, you know, going through the game where I was just not uh, <laughs> not scared by things that uh, popped out. I don't mm -hmm. know. So to loop back around to your previous point, though, uh, I will say to this game's credit, it does definitely have a dramatically increased color palette, which uh, yeah. does not take away from the <laughs> horror. It just makes it feel richer in general. Yeah. So I will say that um, for me, I think the thing that evened it out is that in the original game, the music was much more like created a lot more tension for me. Yes. So um, the music really keyed me up when I was playing the original and the music in remake does not. So, um, you know, the visuals didn't affect me because, you know, visually that doesn't bother me, but like the sounds and everything do. And the sounds and sound design and everything in the original game are so strong that even though it was muddy and, you know, brown, it still affected me in a different way because of that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I credit part of that to just modern sound design and modern sound mixing where like it is so detailed and it is so rich compared to what we were technically capable of doing on the GameCube. But because of that, there's less um maybe intentionality behind it i i just find the the audio design to be a little less memorable uh kind mm -hmm. of across the board mm -hmm. yeah i would agree with that the music's a lot less in your face in the remake uh it's it's mm. quieter like the the combat music in the original was blasting yeah when you're playing it was loud in the mix and in this one, it's a lot quieter. And I feel like all the music is the save music, the merchant's theme, all of mm -hmm. that stuff is, it's just more laid back. Uh, and so I went through this game noticing the music a lot less than I did in the original, not just that pounding industrial combat music, uh, 
pretty much all of it. It's still good. Like I, I like mm. it. If I listen to it, it's still good. It's mostly the same from what I could tell, but I noticed it a lot less. And you made a really good point, Jala. The the combat music added so much tension in the original on top of how the original played the controls and the plant and shoot and all that stuff uh, where in this one, I was getting more like horror from the way it looked and also the sound design of things coming from the periphery or from behind you, uh, the sounds of enemies and stuff, or just um, maybe the sound of an animal in the periphery or something like that instead of, the way it was in the original where it's just all tension all the time. It's a thing that um, I, I was going to say in the story section where you have less dialogue cutscenes. that means you have less breaks from all the tension. Uh, Cause this game is like high stress all the fucking time. If you're the least bit affected by it, which I am. So the music being more laid back kind of helped in that way. I will say that uh, the remake does have the option to listen to the original music, though. So I wonder oh. how that experience would be if you were listening to the original music when you were going through the game. Um, Interesting. That might enhance everything even more. Sure. Yeah. S- similar to the Resident Evil 2 remake, though, that is a paid DLC, which is uh, uh. unfortunate. It's only like three bucks, but like... Uh, it should just yeah, have been thrown sucks. in with the game. Yeah. Am I, <laughs> yeah. Am I, that seems like some real nickel and diming for uh, a game that's had a little bit more high profile nickel and diming uh, come out <laughs> recently as they added in pay to skip type of uh, microtransactions. That seems like it should just be in the menu. I mean, fucking Dragon Quest put that shit in the menu. Why not this game? Yeah. So the voice acting is another thing to uh, to mention from the remake. And this is one of the internet discourse topics about this game is the voice acting for ada Uh, i think across the board though like not even talking about ada yet i think this game has like pretty good voice acting for the main like ashley and uh, Luis and leon and a lot of the other characters are a lot less fun in this than Mm -hmm. they were and it's has to do with the tone and stuff too but also like the performances are just not as charismatic in a lot of other characters yeah for me this was actually the first time that i found ada tolerable Uh, (laughs) i think it was really resident evil 6 that made me just absolutely hate her guts um i I didn't i i didn't care about her one way or the other in the original resident evil 4 but like by the time i got to 6 i was like oh i hate her completely i just i can't stand her um but in this one, I don't hate her. So that's a plus. Uh, I will mm-hmm. say that the delivery of the lines, though, is just kind of like, I understand that Ada is supposed to sound like pretty confident and pretty just like not unbothered by everything going on or whatever. But there was a level to which it was like, no, that doesn't sound like she's unbothered. That sounds like the delivery of the line was not good, you know, and like there's a difference mm-hmm. between not reading the line well or convincingly versus reading the line in the character's tone, you know, and it just didn't seem like it was uh, as strong as some of the others. And I would kind of say, too, that most of the villains just have really re- just forgettable voices. I don't even remember how they sound other than, you know, remembering moments where I was like, oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so for me, all I did was just go, oh, uh, I don't I don't like this voice or this voice. Leon, mm-hmm. Ashley, they're great. Luis, I have a problem with the fact that he does not have an accent. He, It's irritating <laughs> to me. Um, but anyway, yeah. other than that, 
you know, everybody else is just kind of, eh. Yeah. Uh, Jala, let's play a game. Name all the characters in this game set in Spain who have a Spanish accent. Go. I know. And that's the thing. It upsets me. But then again, like I, I was complaining about that with Resident Evil 8, where I was just like, Ugh, yeah, these people me. and what whatever is going on with their voices. Like, <laughs> that's, I, yeah. a, that's that's Resident Evil. That's a Resident Evil chronic Resident Evil thing. So like uh, at this point, you know. it has to be on purpose. There has to be someone at Capcom headquarters who's just like, no, getting the accent wrong is part of the core identity of the series. And it would, well, it would compromise the, the integrity Luis. if we had people who sounded like they're from where they came from. The original Luis at least had an accent, though. So they, they, when they made this guy, he just didn't. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, anyway. it, it's a series wide thing where I, I just, I wish it they is. could be consistent with it. I think no, it would. They're never, they're never like, it's part of the camp, I think at this point. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say, uh, I think Ada's less charismatic than her appearance in Resident Evil 2, just the performance, the line delivery and stuff. But after the second playthrough, I'm just like, eh, this is fine. Like, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, people getting upset about it. Uh, stop it. Get over yourself. Get upset if you want to. Like, don't, don't like a voice acting performance. That's cool. Like, keep it to yourself, though. Don't go after the voice actor because that's shitty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On what planet is the voice actor the the person who's at fault? Like people they cast her, they direct her. Like uh, uh get your priorities correct gamers. Yeah. Um, the 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 director heard all of those voice lines and said, "Yep, that's the one we want." So yep. Mhm. Um I will say that um here's a uh for as much as i love this series i do have some what i think are controversial opinions part of which are that like i feel there's very little continuity between the characters between the games which is to Uh say that uh if you play resident evil 2 on the playstation 1 and then you play resident evil 4 on the gamecube uh those two characters named Leon S. Kennedy are not the same character. They just happen to have the same name and the same haircut. Like, there's no <laughs> connective tissue between them. Uh, this does feel like it's the first time, uh, maybe in the franchise, that it's just like, oh, this is the same person from the Resident Evil 2 remake. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like the same character. Uh, although better because he was really boring in the Resident Evil 2 remake. Again, not his <laughs> fault. They just... I don't know. They just directed him to just to be a little bit bland. They didn't give him too much to work with. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, uh, it's nice to feel like there's some continuity uh, in that regard. The events of Resident Evil 2 absolutely still do not matter in this game at all. There's no <laughs> references to anything that happened. It's fine. Uh, that's not what these games are about. They, they're standalone, mm-hmm. basically. Treat it like an anthology. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so let's um, take another music break and then it's time, I think, to get into the gameplay of RE4 Remake.
So Resident Evil 4 Remake is uh, relatively... It stays true to the original game in the design goals of the gameplay of the original game. Um, still feels very arcadey, but remixed. Um, so this is a third-person shooter uh, from that third-person view that, as far as I know, this game, the original game, started. And I will start the gameplay section with another comment from Michael from the uh, original game episode. So Michael says, I could gush endlessly about how good the gameplay feels in RE4 Remake. Capcom clearly used the RE2 and RE3 remakes to refine their third-person shooter gameplay in anticipation of this game. And they didn't just refine it, they goddamn purified it with emphasis. Even compared to the other remakes, RE4's shooting feels snappy and smooth. Across the board, weapons feel more satisfying and distinctive than they have in the series. What do you think? I would agree with that sentiment. Um, Specifically, again, Dave, uh, you haven't played them yet, but the Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 remakes, I think, are uh, uh, really interesting to compare and contrast them. This feels like it's the one that figures it out, where it's like Mm -hmm. Resident Evil 2 remake feels really good, but like the sub weapon system is a little bit clunky in the hands. It requires like one too many button presses to feel natural and you can forget oh, I had a grenade equipped when I thought I had the knife. Resident Evil 3 Remake feels really good. It's got the dodge that feels really good. Uh, But the knife isn't really an integral part of the combat, and it's something that you have to manually equip to one of your four weapon slots, which is a little bit of a bummer. And this one figures it out. Like, the knife is the only sub-weapon. It's your defensive weapon. It's always equipped. It's always available. Uh, It feels good to use. And then... uh, Adding the second, like, each direction has two weapon slots, so you can have up to eight active weapons. Uh, Mm -hmm. Quietly a genius thing that really makes it uh, feel more like an action game. Absolutely. I would agree with all of that. Um, Definitely just the hotkey so you can switch between your weapons and set up so many different things in those slots is so useful. And mm-hmm. I was actually kind of worried about whether or not they were going to make the knife viable because the knife was so important to me when I was playing the original game. And so uh, I'm glad that they handled that in a way that worked well. Yeah. So uh, before we dig into the knife, because that is one of the biggest changes, there's two major changes they made for mm-hmm. this combat system in the remake. Number one, biggest of all, is you can now move and shoot at the same time. You can move and mm. aim at the same time. In the original game, you could not. You had to stop and basically turn into a turret whenever you wanted to shoot. And that was the thing that made me think I was going to hate the original. I ended up loving it because, of course, the game is masterfully designed around that fact. They remove that. You can move now. But to compensate for it, the enemies are much faster, they're much more aggressive, and they're much more numerous in a lot of places. So... The feeling that you got during those combat encounters was that that frantic feeling of like, I have to find a safe place, stop and shoot for a bit, move to another safe place because now this place isn't safe anymore, and repeat. Now everything's a lot more fluid, but making the enemies more aggressive, putting more enemies still gives you that super frantic feeling all the time. And it wasn't until I started to replay the game that I ever felt like I am a master of this like situation. I'm a master of my toolkit when I'm playing this game. I know how I can handle these situations, but I'm not, I'm constantly 
on my heels and reacting to everything that's going on. And it is like just really great how they made this major change to the gameplay, modernized the controls, and still kept the exact feeling of the combat. Right. And the camera also plays a big part in all of that feeling as well, because the camera is um, much more static in the original. And, you know, even though you can move the camera around, again, what they've done with all of the enemies and how they have them placed and what kinds of weapons they equip those enemies with makes such a difference to that tension. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to talking about horror, there are different kinds of horror that you can try to elicit. So, uh, for example, even just within the series, like Resident Evil 7 leans heavily on disgust. Like, it's a really gross game, and it wants you to feel that, both in combat and during its scenarios. Uh, mm-hmm. Resident Evil 4 was always about panic, like specifically as a emotional response. It wants you to feel... Like, uh, you know, the the opening sequence is such a great thesis statement on just, like, there's enemies pouring in from every direction, and you're constantly surrounded, and every time you move to some place that you think is safe, it's not safe. Um, and that's a really specific design goal that you don't see very often. I can't really think of any other game that, like, succeeds at that in the same way, and... This remake retains that feeling, which is extremely impressive because, like, I want to emphasize the complete transformation of the the gameplay. What you are actually doing with your hands is absolutely different than the original, totally different, and yet it's able to align with those same design goals and elicit the same responses. So mm-hmm. that's tremendously impressive and probably the single uh, 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 biggest triumph of the remake to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I likened the original game in that episode to like an arcade, like a light gun game almost because of how mm-hmm. arcade and like shooting gallery it kind of felt sometimes. And this is not that very, very different. But like you said, Adam, still accomplishes the same goal for sure. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is as much as Resident Evil 6 is much blind and, you know, whatever, because it is a funky, weird game. Mm-hmm. I played like 300 hours in it. I know all about how <laughs> weird it is. Anyway, um, even though that is the case, that game is really notable to me in the series and the sequence of things that Capcom has picked up and learned along the way. Uh, it was basically like the crescendo of every action movie you've seen through the 80s and 90s mashed into sort of a Resident Evil game, but it's not really scary. It's just like, there's big gooby monsters everywhere, you know, (laughs) and you can co-op. Cool. I mean, like, it has nothing to do with, like, the actual tone of all the other Resident Evil games. But what it does do in that game is they improved on the uh, kind of melee and, you know, having the instant attacks and things like that. And that's something that shows up in this game as well, where they've got some melee, they've got some instant attacks, not to the same degree, but they do have that element that wasn't present in every single one of the games. You know, it's not like a legacy thing that's been, you know, going on forever. It has an origin point and has mm-hmm. kind of been ported forward and they took, you know, some kernels from here and there. Resident Evil 7 for as much of, of the black sheep as it is, like you, there is a lot of Resident Evil 6 DNA in the the modern Resident Evil games in general and the Resident Evil 4 remake in specific. 
The other big change that the RE4 remake made is reinventing how the knife works. And so we can talk about a little bit how in the original game, the knife was like the secret best weapon that doesn't seem like the best weapon until you realize that like, hey, by using the knife, you save ammo. Mm. And by saving ammo, now you actually have your best weapon. So the knife is like the pro tip for everyone in the original game, even though it seems pretty weak. They reinvented it for this game. So in the original game, the knife was unbreakable, a permanent part of your arsenal. And in this game, in the remake, it can break. You can pick up more than one knife. Mm-hmm. Um, but crucially, I think, in order to make this work, uh, the knife has a bunch of other uses, uh, primarily deflecting attacks and parrying throughout the game, uh, which was not possible in the original. So the knife parry, as with all parries, I started out the game thinking, hey, that's cool. I can parry. I'm not going to do that because I don't like parrying that much in video games. And about halfway through the game, I started to realize, oh, this is actually like the best. And this is probably your best friend if you're playing on high difficulty. So, Adam, you did play on the high difficulty. Yes. Was this your best friend? Uh, It was my best friend, which... Playing on hardcore as the start is a really significant challenge. Like it says in the difficulty options, play this if you're familiar with the original. And I'm like, well, that's me. So, but, uh, like it, it was, <laughs> it was a trap. <laughs> I remember seeing that and it was like, play this if you're familiar. And I was like, what does familiar mean? I played it once. Am I familiar? Yeah. I was, abs- but, I was like, absolutely not. I'm going to play it yeah. on whatever the standard mode is because Same. I have Me a time too. limit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for most people, I would not recommend it as a first playthrough. For me, it was great. I really liked dying over and over and over. Um, and part of that was because it introduced uh, resource scarcity back into the equation, um, which, which to me felt like it connected more with the lineage of the series, you know? I had to really be mindful about all of my ammo. I was constantly absolutely tapped out. There were several sections where it's just like, I I just have to run. I just have to run from enemies. Like I have no good way to fight back, which doesn't sound that revolutionary. uh, But for Resident Evil four, like that's a, that's a pretty different experience. And the, the secrets to success ended up being the knife, which like, Again, you can just do tons of cool stuff with it. Parrying is awesome. Stealth is uh, new and interesting and allows you to get some one-hit kills. There are ways that you can set up, uh, you know, stabbing someone after flash grenades or whatever. And all of these contribute to making the knife just a really valuable part of your arsenal. Uh, And the other one is the bolt thrower, which is the most most significant new entry to uh the arsenal which is basically a long range version of the knife if that makes sense it's a weapon that's designed <laughs> it's a weapon that's designed not to do tons of damage but to set you up for success for uh to to set up melee attacks and to basically kill them through other means and then also, uh, you can retrieve your bolts, which means that you're able to have a higher ammo conservation. So between those two things, those basically made it feel like it was possible 
So with the knife, the biggest thing that you can do is when someone runs up at you with an axe or something like that, you parry it out of the way and buy yourself another couple of seconds to react however you're going to react. Mm-hmm. But you can uh, parry a lot of stuff that you might think you can't. Like basically every melee attack that comes at you, unless someone's like breathing fire on you or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you can parry. So if someone throws a um, throws an axe, you can parry that out of the way. Uh, you can parry the chainsaw, as we saw in the uh, the trailer or the gameplay previews and stuff like that, uh, which is very cool. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but hey, it's Resident Evil 4. Who gives it's a extremely shit? Extremely clutch. Yeah. So this uh, ended up being like, by the end of the game, it was one of my primary ways to interact with an enemy standing right in front of me. Instead of like the first probably the first five hours or so I would forget that it's even a part of the game Mm -hmm. because it wasn't in the original parrying stuff like that. So this was great. I didn't do a whole lot of stealth. I found it too difficult to stealth up against more than maybe one or two enemies per Mm -hmm. level, but those are great. Uh, And crucially, one of the other things with the knife is if an enemy gets you in a grab, a grab attack, uh, you can knife them to get away from it uh, so your health doesn't drain down too much. Uh, good way to get out of that instead of having like a button mash QTE or something like that, which is quickly becoming one of the things that I'm just very fucking sick of in video games. Oh, uh, pro tip. In all of the modern Resident Evil games, go into the menu and change it from button mash to hold. It's a flat improvement. Yes. Always do that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I will say, as somebody who enjoys sniper elite games, I really, really like the sneaking parts in this game. I had fun with them. Whenever I can sneak, I will sneak and I will kill and I will be happy. Nice. Did you find it to be like kind of my experience where like you enter a combat encounter and you're like, oh, I can take out maybe that guy with stealth and then everyone's going to see me? Or were you able to actually stealth around and take out a bunch of people that way? It depends on what my level of patience is. Now, if anybody has ever listened to me talk <laughs> about it on the level, when I am playing a Sniper Elite game, there is a bell curve of how much I'm going to actually sneak versus actually deciding I'm going to blow everybody up or run around and, and become a complete distraction and get everybody in the camp after me because I am a creature of chaos. So um <laughs> it varies. Depends on you know what I'm feeling. How am I feeling at the time when I'm... coming up on this encounter am i ready to mess with some people or am i just like over it yeah so kind of big picture for the combat in this um combat encounters start sometimes uh, they're coming at you and you can't stealth sometimes you can eventually you're going to get caught i I find it hard to believe you're going to go through entire encounters stealthing and killing everything Uh, so once it starts you have all these people running at you or kind of not not slowly walking at you like the original, but kind of leisurely jogging your way sometimes. Um, and you get into this really nice rhythm of still moving from safe place to safe place, uh, just like the original game. And one of the things that I think really makes this combat system sing and something that was in the original too, is if you shoot an enemy in the leg, they will fall down. Uh, if you shoot them... If they're holding a Molotov and you shoot the Molotov, it will explode. If you shoot them in the head, you know what happens when you shoot things in the head in video games. So you get into like, not only are you shooting enemies, third person shooter, but you're making decisions about where to shoot them based on 
How many other enemies are around? How much ammo do I have? Are my knives broken? Uh, do I want to shoot them in the leg and then go do the melee roundhouse kick or the suplex or something like that? And it's all these little like really interesting like second by second decisions that you're making during combat too, instead of just like other third person shooters where it's uh, hide behind cover, pop out, shoot, shoot, back behind cover, pop out, shoot, shoot. This one is it's so much more interesting. It's so much fun. Right. You've got all those layers to the combat and that gives you a lot of um, choice in the manner in which you're executing all of your verbs. You have mm-hmm. your verb set, but like you have so many different ways that you can go about using that verb set. So what's really fun is I will watch my husband play Resident Evil 4 OG and just lose my mind because of the way he plays because it's so very different from the way I play. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so uh, just same tools same scenarios, but everybody's going to play a little bit different. And that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, one thing that I will give big compliments to is that they remove the degenerate strategy uh, from the original, which is like, if you're going to play in the most optimal way, you want to try to isolate an enemy as much as possible, shoot him in the head, knock him to the ground, and then just knife them until they die. And it's like, mm-hmm. that works. It could be a little bit tedious. Uh, this causes everything to be much more dynamic. One, you can instantly knife enemies that are on the ground. So if you're able to, to get them down, then you have a window to just one shot them, which is great. Um, there, the, the melee attacks are more consistent, uh, which is to say that like how you approach them will determine, uh, the hit. So if you shoot them in the knee versus shooting them in the head versus, shooting them in the knee and then attacking them from behind, uh, which will always perform a suplex and you should do as often as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You want to talk about the goofy tone of this game. The fact that they have hard coded in, if an enemy is downed and you approach them from behind and press the melee attack button, you'll do a suplex. It will knock everybody else nearby down to the ground as well. There you go. Uh, I just, man, I just had so much fun uh, with this combat. It never got old. Uh, the fact that I know you said it introduced research resource scarcity on the higher difficulty. I felt it to a pretty good degree on the regular difficulty too. I don't know if you felt that too, Jala. Well, the original game also did the same thing where they kind of want you to always be needing a little bit more than what you're getting, but the game itself yeah. will organically give you a certain amount. And depending upon how difficult the game is at the time, whatever your settings are, it will give you more of what you need or just a little bit of what you need and you just mm-hmm. have to make do. So um, that's just kind of part and parcel of the spirit of the original. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like they carried that over from the original, the, you know, I just killed a bunch of enemies with my pistol and I'm out of pistol ammo. Well, what do you know? They just dropped some more pistol ammo. Um, or maybe like I've been using the pistol too much, uh, and I'm going to run out of ammo and they're just not going to give it any to me right now. They want me to switch guns. Uh, and I, really found it to be like fun to mix and match guns, not only based on the situation, but because sometimes they're just like, you're not getting any more shotgun ammo right now. You're going to have to figure something else out. And that's part of like those micro decisions that you're making too. And if you're playing on higher difficulty, like Adam said, and resources are even more scarce, then you really have to make tough decisions about how you're going to use your stuff. Yeah. 
Well, and then too, when it's doing that to you and it's making you use a different gun more or less because it's giving you the ammo for that one, not the one that you've been using, it's kind mm-hmm. of forcing you to use a larger array of those verb sets that they're giving you. Like it's giving you mm-hmm. all these tools and it wants you to play with all of them. It wants you to experience what is this game like when I have no other ammo and all I've got is the bolt thrower. How do I go through this next part? You know, there was a point when I finally got the bolt thrower and I finally got to that point where it was like, oh, I have like no ammo for anything. Cool. I've got the bolt thrower. This is it for however long until I get some more ammo. And then I was using it and I had so much fun using that that I just stuck with that for a while. And I ended up amassing like all this handgun ammo because I stopped using the other guns. I was just using the bolt thrower for like, I don't know, a whole chapter or something. It was nonsense. Yeah. And the other thing about this game that I want to like really praise is um, I have a tendency in video games to not use consumable stuff because I feel like it's too good or because I feel like I'm not going to get enough of it later. So I have to save it for something more difficult. You do not and cannot play this game that way, I feel like. So every time I was able to craft a grenade or found a grenade, I was like, fuck, yeah, I needed that grenade. Mm-hmm. Because the next combat thing, it's going to come in handy. Flash grenades, which are usually like pretty lame in video games, are like the best in Resident Evil 4. Uh, So all of these things work together to make you make all these different decisions. And kind of reflecting that, the crafting system has been expanded to um, include ammo and grenades and stuff like that too. So even more decision-making... in the original game, as far as I remember, you could craft uh, your healing herbs and stuff like that. And that was about all you could craft, mm-hmm. right? Am I forgetting something? Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. So in this game, you can craft ammo and you can craft grenades with these kind of <laughs> nondescript things called resources that you pick up <laughs> uh, combined with other stuff. What's in the resources? Don't worry about it. It's I... Resident Evil 4. Look. Who cares? <laughs> This is the one point upon which Adam will not brook this nonsense. <laughs> Look, I I genuinely really like all of the crafting that they brought into the modern Resident Evil games. I think that Resident Evil 7 is like absolutely pitch perfect crafting. I think that's like peak mm-hmm. survival horror crafting. This is probably my second favorite. The fact that like you only have like three, like five possible ingredients that you can mix and match and two of them are called resources and resources yeah. <laughs> parentheses large what the or small. fuck <laughs> uh i i like it though and they come in these they come in these cute little pouches too it's just they, the they best. do pre-packaged <laughs> yep with the amount of stuff that you can ultimately craft from these resources um i'm I like that it's not a bunch of different stuff uh, trying to be more realistic about it. Like if if you're like, oh, I picked up gunpowder and gasoline and a bunch of other stuff like that. Yeah. Ah, fuck that. Just give me resources. I'm good. But what it does is by having so few crafting ingredients, they're all like going to be used for basically the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, something that's really great about The Last of Us is they do the same thing yes. where – in The Last of Us, uh, your health packs and your Molotovs, two extremely valuable things, use exactly the same crafting resource. So you're always making decisions based on what do I not, what do I want, what do I need right now? And in this yeah. game, I felt that too. It was like 
I would really love to craft some shotgun ammo, but I know a flash grenade is the right thing to craft. So I'm making a flash grenade and that's going to help me out a lot. I don't know if those are the same ingredients, Mm -hmm. but you get it. Well, something else to note, too, about the crafting is that the healing items are still just the herbs that you're combining. You're not mm-hmm, combining yeah. resources large to make a healing herb. So, which, you know. which is slightly disappointing to me and <laughs> is the reason why Resident Evil 7 is my favorite, because it does require the same. Like, you have to choose mm-hmm. between health and bullets. And I think that's always such a, a fun and interesting choice. Yeah, so um, the crafting system is uh, really great. I'm not a fan of crafting in a lot of games. In this one, it's really great. Uh, They have also expanded some other stuff in the gameplay. Um, There are side quests and more kind of open areas to explore in the remake. Modern design trends versus 2005, sure. But uh, crucially, this is great, in my opinion, because Resident Evil 4, the original game, was very fun and rewarding to explore around. And then you're just going to give me more open areas with more places to go break boxes and find little treats. Mm-hmm. I'm in like, I want, I want all that. So when one section in particular in the first half of the game opened up and it was like, here, you got this boat, go look around. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm looking around everywhere. I loved it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, Definitely the opened up areas are fun for me because as anybody who knows me from the level will know, I like to explore and I like Mm -hmm. traversal. Give me new verbs for traversal and let me wander around and I will be happy. So um, I'm a fan of all of that. I will say about the the extra side quests that they give you, you pick up these notes from the merchant and then that gives you uh, different quests like kill all the rats which is so a level one <laughs> or level zero D D thing that it's just like yeah. why and then they keep doing it it's like no it's it's yeah. dis- those are disappointing uh they do have um challenge bosses and stuff that you can go do extra enemies to go fight or whatever and that's fun but like some of the other stuff is just like i mean they, they have the blue medallions which is something from the original and that's mm-hmm. fine um i don't mind that but then some of it's just like, uh, I, I could do without this being here. Yeah, there, there's a couple of interesting little side quests, but like, by and large, they're kind of duds. I agree that like the elite enemies like are cool special encounters, um, but the, the majority of them are just kind of, eh, okay. But they reward you with spinels, which are now, instead of being just a treasure that you sell, are like a secondary currency used at, to buy special things. And I think the spinel shop is pretty cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, a lot of interesting choices on what you want to spend your spinels on in that shop. And uh, we can, I guess, just kind of briefly talk about, like, you're picking up money as you go through the game too, pesetas, mm-hmm. and uh, trading them in at the merchant to mostly, uh, in my case, repair my knife and then upgrade my guns. Yep. Nothing else, really. Uh, but the economy is very friendly like you will get enough to make a to make a couple of upgrades every time you go to the merchant you'll be able to buy something that's going to help you and one thing that i really love about this and i think the original too is if you spend a bunch of money upgrading a gun and then you find a new gun that you want to use you can sell back the old one for like exactly the amount of money you put into it so you never get that feeling of like I want to try out this cool new gun, but I've sunk so many resources into this old one I was using. 
because uh, mm-hmm. you have limited inventory space, of course. Resident Evil Four with the uh, with the suit, uh, the uh, the attache case. If that's how you say it. Never said that word out loud before. Attache. But <laughs> um, you're always making decisions about the guns you have. So the fact that if I say, you know what, I'm ready to move on from the starter pistol to the Red Nine. I've spent a bunch of money on upgrading the starter pistol. No worries. I get all that money back. Mm-hmm. It's not all of it, but it's like a like 60% or something. I don't know. It's, it's exactly pretty high. It is, but you it's do a, get it. It's like 80%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's significant. Oh, yeah, it? it's a lot. Okay. The point is, it's friendly in that way. Yeah, yeah it it's is. It's not like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another minor um, change that like I really appreciate. Uh, actually, two things. One, you can just auto sort your inventory with a button. This is controversial. Some people really love <laughs> the ecstasy of order from, you know, Tetrising their attache case in the original. But like so many of the design choices that they made, because you're not constantly opening up your case in order to switch between weapons, you just don't need it in the same way. And so it's fine. You can just have the button be available. Like, it, I think it's a pretty good change and... I don't miss having to meticulously organize my case. The second change is that if you have, there are a couple times in the game where you'll find a weapon in the field and, oh, sweet, free weapon, but you're full of garbage. Like you get, you got too many fish, you know, there's too many fish in here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but you can take a, any weapon that you have at any time and you can send it to the typewriter which is such a wild sentence to say, uh, but the typewriter <laughs> has some space which will store stuff, so you can free up space in order to pick up something if you really need to do that. Um, mm-hmm. I did briefly think that they had just combined like the, the classic Resident Evil item box into the typewriter, and I thought that was going to be really cool, uh, but it's only for weapons. You can't store ammo, you can't store anything else like that. Gotcha. You can put first aid sprays, I believe. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. I didn't even know that this was a possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A uh, little bit arbitrary, but like, I, I'm happy it's there. And I will say about the um, attache case, when it comes to the changes that this game is making, because it is speeding things up the way that it is, and it is not requiring you to be in your inventory to jack with stuff to change out your weapons or do whatever you're doing because of that uh if they had the old school here now you have to stop and fix your attache case then that would be like totally wrecking the pace of whatever panicked moment you're in the middle of because you have to stop and sort everything out and like that's making it a button is a better decision for the changes that they made to the gameplay Mm -hmm. yeah i still found um manually reorganizing the case to be very fun and very satisfying. I love that. Uh, I found myself doing it less in this game. And I don't know if it's just because I'm like, you know, I have the experience. So now I know like, oh, if I, whenever I see a case upgrade at the merchant, I'm buying that right away. Uh, So maybe I just dealt with, you know, space as an issue less. Maybe it's designed that way so that space is less of an issue. But um, I still enjoyed manually sorting it. And, uh, I, I was kind of, when you're talking about that, Adam, I had this straw man in my head of all those people that are like, well, if you give gamers the option to make it easier, they're just going to do it. <laughs> I'm like, I, first of all, I didn't. And second of all, who gives a shit? Let people play. 
<laughs> oh, wow. You pressed a button to arrange your inventory. You cheated not only yeah. the game, but yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let people just play however they're going to play. And again, that's like a, a big difference between play styles. You know, one person will just barely look at it and just do the minimum of rearranging. Mm-hmm. And I will say that even though I use the auto sort button the entire time, I was offended by where it put things. <laughs> but I wasn't so offended that I stopped and manually changed it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. One more section about gameplay to talk about is that a significant portion of Resident Evil 4 and the remake is an escort mission, uh, which ooh, nowadays you hear the word escort mission. You're like, oh, shit, this is going to suck. And in the original, I thought it was about as good as it could have been for the time that that game came out. Still not f- like I didn't like those sections in the original, but at least I could easily tell Ashley to hide in a dumpster and then not worry about her so much. This game, they kind of changed that. So you have Ashley with you for a lot of the game and you have all these frantic combat encounters and they changed how Ashley's health works. She doesn't have a health bar like she did in the first game. She has a like healthy downed state. And then if she gets hit again, when she's downed, it's game over and you have to start again. Um, which is cool because I hated giving Ashley health upgrades in the original. I wanted all that shit for myself. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. So they changed that. And then they changed the controlling of her to like in the original, it was, uh, either follow me or hide in this dumpster to a little bit more respectful, either stay close to me or stay far away. Basically. Um, A lot of the combat encounters are tuned around not only your health as Leon, but also making sure that Ashley doesn't get killed or more often picked up and carried away because that's another fail state is if they carry Ashley to a door, like a level exit door, game over. Uh, So one little like complication into the combat is often like, I need to fight these things off so they don't kill me, but fuck, they just picked up Ashley and they're walking away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me try to shoot that guy in the leg so that he'll (laughs) drop her from seven feet up onto this marble floor. Uh, But how did you feel about the escort sections of this game? To me, it felt a lot easier to tolerate, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. The original just irritated the crap out of me the entire time. And I don't know if that's just like, the shrillness of the voice actress or if it was uh just the, the way it played or whatever but for me i definitely didn't feel that the escort portions were overall as bothersome to me in the remake mm-hmm. um i think it's just because um maybe it's because i've had so much familiarity with the original game and and going through those escort sections there that it's not uh too much harder to manage i don't know like adam what do you think about uh the words escort mission strike fear into the hearts of many people Uh in a way that i don't quite understand because i feel like i haven't encountered a truly heinous escort mission since like the ps3 era like this is this isn't dead rising like ashley's very manageable she's pretty competent she knows when to duck she knows when to get out of the way if she's sticking close to you she tends to stick pretty close She'll get picked up, but then you just run up behind them and you knife them in the neck and it's not that big of a deal. Like, uh, it adds another plate to spin. Uh, and I don't think it's mm-hmm. particularly odious. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm generally in favor of Ashley, uh, mechanically. 
Yeah. And there are a couple lockers that you can shove her into. You can't. And it's funny, too. It kind of I felt like this is a little reference to the original where you're like, hey, get in this locker. And she's like, what? Uh, you know, yeah, kind of, okay. kind of like like she should have said when you said, hey, get in this fucking dirty countryside dumpster <laughs> in the original. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so, would have liked the option yeah, I, to I tell her to agree. get to a dumpster and just to have her refuse. Yeah, that would have been yeah. pretty funny. She's I am the president's daughter. I'm not getting <laughs> in a dumpster. Like a real, uh, uh, oh, you went under, uh, th- this is, uh, you haven't gotten there in your survival horror education yet, but in Silent Hill 2, there's a part where- I did play that. Well, okay, you did. Uh, James reaches into a toilet and pulls out a key. Yes, he does. But in Silent Hill 3, there's another identical toilet, and Heather goes to reach into it, and then she stops. She's like, what? What am I doing? I'm not going to reach into a toilet. <laughs> Who would do that? And then she just looks directly into the camera. <laughs> That's great. Well, That's the thing good. too is uh, in Resident Evil Remake, there is a part where they are going through and Leon and Ashley are having to go through a sewer part. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm okay. I wouldn't have been before, but you know, she's, she's reached that part where she's like, okay, yeah, I, I can tolerate this now. So, yeah. And which, that kind which, of yeah. feels like, Almost like a nod to the dumpster in a way. Yeah. But but that's also like genuinely a big part of what makes uh, uh, her feel good as a character is that she does adapt and she does become more resilient. So, yeah, yeah. It, it just yeah. feels good to see her go from being more helpless to uh, <laughs> uh, doing some goofy shit at the end of the game. Well, she has an actual character arc in this one. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, in um, the spoiler section, we're going to talk a little bit about how Ashley is much better as a character in this game. I think we mentioned that before, too. But the gameplay aspect of Ashley is also a lot better, I felt like, in the remake. So uh, this is a good time, I think, to get into our kind of final wrap-up thoughts for the non-spoiler section. Asking the question, who would we recommend Resident Evil 4 Remake to? Jala, I'll kick to you first. Sure. So anybody who's played the original Resident Evil game or any other Resident Evil game, any of the remakes, any of the whatever, it would be worth a shot. People who like action games that have these kinds of elements that we've already been discussing with, you know, just the kind of uh, pile on of enemies that you have to deal with and the different verbs that you've got to, to, to choose from and how all of that kind of plays out. Mm hmm. Right. And Adam, who would you recommend Resident Evil 4 Remake to? So I, uh, there, are, there are now three primary versions of the game. There's the original, there's the VR port, and there's the remake. And there's also rumors that they're going to make a VR port of the remake. And each of them has the same basic skeleton, uh, you know, tweaked meaningfully every time. Uh, Every version of this game rules, and I don't care how you play it, but you should play (laughs) Resident Evil 4. It kicks ass. Like, what a great game. And, you know, now that it is out, it's never been more accessible. It's never been more familiar to modern audiences. Uh, If you have any interest in this, uh, I recommend it. Uh, You know, if you can tolerate mild horror, it's not too bad. And also... To people who are unfamiliar with Resident Evil as a series, do not feel the need to play the franchise in order. Play whatever one seems cool. It's, again, treat it like an anthology series. Just jump in. 
it's fine. Come on, you'll have a great time. Yeah, I agree. I this is like very easy game to recommend. If you like action games, play this. It's one of the best action games I've ever played. Straight up. Shooter, non-shooter, doesn't matter. One of the best. Um, if you played the original, like Jala said, should go without saying, play the remake. It's great. Um, and for people who want a first Resident Evil game like I was before, I would just as easily recommend the remake as I would the original game. And this is a key point I want to make in the non-spoiler section before some people maybe tap out. You both mentioned this at the top of the show, and I want to agree with you. This does not replace the original in any way. The original is still awesome. It feels different to play, but it's designed around the way that it feels to play, just like this one's designed around the changes that they made. So I still recommend both versions of this game. Um, yeah, this is longer than the average Resident Evil game, uh, as far as I understand. Much longer. But I would still recommend play both versions. I think, like, if you want to play the remake first, because you know, modern game, it's going to be easier to control and stuff. I get it. The remake's awesome, but I, I still want to like make that point that the original is still there. It's still widely available, and it still kicks ass as well. Um, so I'm going to finish out the recommendation section with some final thoughts from Michael from the original RE4 episode. Michael says, simply put, I'm not sure that games can get much better for me than the Resident Evil 4 remake. Like, period. I could say a lot, but I'll share my three main thoughts and leave it at that. Game direction. To me, Capcom is reaching Portal 2 level Valvian design heights here. There's so much addition by subtraction on display and that's a Herculean task when confronted with remaking a game as <laughs> maximalist and room-by-room room memorable as the original RE4. Mm -hmm. With gameplay, it's so impressive to me how much they've managed to maintain the perspective required to rework the familiar pieces of RE4's gameplay within the remake formula, RE make formula, into something that feels so thoroughly modern and fresh for the series. Third... And although I was initially unsure about the shift in tone towards pulp, I think the game strikes a far, far better balance between the tones of the original and the other remakes than it has any right to do. So okay. overall, Michael says the game effortlessly works in every regard as an homage to the 2005 original, as a standalone 2023 game, as a third-person shooter, as a survival horror game, and as another standout entry in the Resident Evil remake Iverse. Well said, Michael. This game kicks ass. Everyone should play it. Mm -hmm. So before we get into the spoiler section, little housekeeping at the beginning. And this is the time, Jala and Adam, where I'll give you a chance to plug your stuff one more time. Where can people find you? I'm going to put podcast links and stuff down in the show notes, but social media, anything else you want people to find you anywhere else you want them to find you. Yeah, so I am findable on the internet at Jollijon in any place I am, including Jollijon.place <laughs> and thelevelpodcast.com. Mm -hmm. And Adam? Uh, you can find my podcast, Halftone Takes. It's available wherever podcasts are found. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I also, uh, I primarily hang out on Discord these days. My two favorite channels to hang out. Jolla Chan's place and Dave's Tube Network. So uh, that's right. Join join both of them. It's full of cool people. It's a good time. 
really smart discussions happen there, as well as some really dumb jokes. Uh, it's great. <laughs> uh, and then also my uh, tabletop games are available at boocherry.itch.io. That is boo like ghost, cherry like fruit. All right. So uh, one more recommendation for everyone listening to check out Jalachan's Place, check out the Level Podcast, check out Halftone Takes, and if you're into tabletop games and you like Resident Evil, maybe check out Adam's Itch page for Enter the Survival Horror and the other games that Adam has made there. Uh, everyone's doing really great stuff around the internet. So Adam mentioned that Discord server for the Tube Network. I would love to have more people join and come in and talk about Resident Evil 4 this week. It would be a great time to do that. Um, it is a really cool place. I love everyone who's in the server. We have a great community in there. Um, if you would like to support the show uh, monetarily, you can do so on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Jackson. Patrons get choice uh, voting on episode topics. You get bonus episodes every now and then. Uh, you get extended episodes of my other podcast, which is called A Top 3 Podcast, where we do top three lists about stuff that's not video games, if that's... If you want to hear me talk about something else other than video games for once, that's the place. So we are going to take a break. And when we come back, it is full spoiler time. Not really story spoilers so much, but shop talk time for RE4 Remake. Resident Evil. I'm back with Adam and Jala, and we're going to talk spoilers for Resident Evil 4 Remake. If you wandered in here by accident, if you didn't heed the warnings before, this isn't the most spoilable game, but we are going to like kind of talk about our favorite moments and stuff that's been changed in good and bad ways. We're going to go in order through the game. So we're going to start out with the first section. The first like big chunk of the game is this village and then a lake. So in the village, uh, we talked about the opening cabin sequence, but real quickly, you are um, kind of thrown into the fire in this game, just like in the original with this iconic opening like town square combat sequence that is just like I st- outside of Souls games. I can't really think of another trial by fire quite as like difficult as this was the first time I played it. And then in the remake, as I'm getting used to like how the remake plays when faced with chaos, basically Um, I still died three, four five times in this village sequence at the beginning as I got my bearings. And I think that's like, that's the, that's the reason this is so difficult. It's the reason the chainsaw guy comes out is they want to be like, Hey, you're going to be ready by the time you beat this. I will say that I know a couple of people who they played the demo, which was that section, and they were just like, oh, my God, I cannot play this remake. And that was their response. They're like, nope, I just can't. I just can't do this thing. And the thing is, is that uh, understand, yes, you're going to die. (laughs) You're going to die a lot. And that's fine. Um, 
you can adjust the difficulty. There's different difficulties for that reason. And also Mm -hmm. like once that, that really sets it up where you learn very, very quickly how this game is moving versus how the original was moving, like what your verbs are like and how you can interact with these kinds of scenarios. It really was a smart decision as much as it's going to push a lot of people away because it really does teach you immediately like what you're in for for the rest of the game. And you need to be able to power through that in order to understand, you know, viscerally, if you are somebody who's come from the original how different it is and why it's different, but how it also still feels the same. And that was a wise decision in my opinion on their part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To to me, uh, the opening village is one of the all time greatest video game openings, uh, often imitated, never duplicated until now, I guess. Uh, but, <laughs> but like to, to, to add to what you were just saying, like part of the genius is that this game has multiple difficulty options, but within those, it still does retain the original's adaptive difficulty, which means mm-hmm. it's throwing you into the meat grinder. It's killing you over and over again, but each time it's adjusting until it finds your level. Like it, yeah. Like the, the, the thing that's underrated about it is that like it wants you to succeed. Um, mm-hmm. what, what a, what a great opening, like absolute stone cold classic. Uh, as far as the demo, uh, <laughs> I, I think I played seven hours of that and it's just the opening fight. Like <laughs> maybe, probably not quite that much, but like I played it a lot. And as I was uh. doing it, uh, just to just be throwing out a little bit of shade, I was like, wow. This demo, just the opening village fight, uh, this is better than the entirety of the Dead Space remake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do want to say too that like the, uh, cabin that you first get to right after you gain control of Leon and you are heading up to that first villager guy and all of that, like mm-hmm. that, they, the way that they redesigned that cabin and made it to where like there's a lot more of an environment uh, there's more environmental storytelling about, you know, who these people or this guy was before you came across him and everything. And like that lead up is a lot better in this game and it gives you more tension because if you've come to it from the original, you are already expecting this guy to be, you know, like a ganado. And then when he turns and then his head starts flopping and it's like, oh, that's so good. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. good. But then even if you don't know what's going to happen... It's still like this guy is being creepy and weird and there's things that are off about the place that you're in. And, you know, you get that lead up where you're like, I don't really want to go talk to this guy, you know, (laughs) and then you have Mm -hmm. to and you're like, oh, crap. You know, it's it's very good regardless of whether you are a newcomer or an old timer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Special shout out to the bent neck Ganados as like an absolute MVP edition. Like those guys rule. Yeah. That opening like the big village fight is is so good in how like I, I feel like in Adam and Jolly, you can probably speak to this more than me, but I feel like they want that to be a desperate moment for Leon, like barely getting out of it. Because, uh, you know, when the bell mm-hmm. rings, the the villagers all stop attacking and no matter what was happening and then they they leave and Leon's like, whoa, that was uh that got pretty hairy there. And I get the feeling that like, no matter how good you are, no matter what difficulty you're on, um, 
it's always going to feel that way. And it's, it's a really good introduction to that kind of like tension and overwhelmed feeling that you're going to get as you go through a lot of the other sections in the game. Right. It's, it's like that shock therapy, you know, like trying mm-hmm. to give it to you straight. This is how it's going to be. Understand this is what you're on for. You know, mm-hmm. this is what you signed up for. Yeah. So, so design wise, I also just want to like, like, I feel like it's even smarter than, than that. Like, it's such an amazing thing. Here's a weird comparison. Chrono Trigger. You're at the fair, right? And you're going around and you're just doing, instead of doing Resident Evil shit, you're doing JRPG shit and you're picking up items and you're talking to people and you're doing stuff. And then suddenly there's a trial and all of these little things that you didn't think were a big deal, like come back to haunt you and you're like, oh, like my actions have consequences. Like I have to like be more considerate. And it's like, it's kind of an illusion. Like that's not really true for the entire game, but they do it once and they plant that idea in your head. Mm Mm-hmm. The opening village is so reactive because you you go and you fight and, you know, you, you get overwhelmed and you die. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to run into this house. Oh, there's a shotgun. Sweet. But now there's a guy with a chainsaw and you die. And it's like, okay, well, there's a guy with a chainsaw and I don't want to deal with that. So I'm just going to run past it. I'm just going to leave. And you try to go to the exit. And then the the chainsaw guy appears there and it's like oh shit no that didn't work either and then you're like okay i'm gonna go up to the clock tower and then like that worked in the original now the floor collapses shit that Mm -hmm. didn't work either you go around back and now suddenly there's someone who grabs you and dr salvador the chainsaw guy like starts approaching you uh in a totally new and unique way like they they put in so much work to add all of these little contingencies and little details, which make it feel like they're really coordinated. Like they really are uh, uh, thoughtful and they're really trying to get you. And that makes them feel really smart. Like the Ganados are, and forgive my pronunciation, Jala, uh, are a absolute like world-class uh basic enemy you know the the goomba they're so reactive there's so many permutations of them they are fun <laughs> to fight through the the entire game they're awesome yeah i remember the first time i like took aim at one's head and it like ducked out of the way and i was like hey what the, you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to <laughs> shamble at me yeah. aimless or like mindlessly it's, it's great there, there are guys who will throw their axes at you, and then you're just like, ah, I'm gonna uh, count for it, and then they'll do like a, huh, huh. like they'll yeah. they'll fake you out, they'll mm-hmm. like ah, so cool. Yeah, they're great. Uh, and also one more one more thing about um, the, those basic verbs that the enemies have, uh, having enemies grab you and then turn you towards their friends so that they can do a follow up attack on you is like the coolest shit I've ever seen. I've like, (laughs) why has no other game done this? I can't think of a single other example. Mm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. The AI design on these enemies is just so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So out of the, um, the main village section, um, I normally get through that section just by running out the clock. Um, I'm very defensive during that. Uh, just kind of like shooting people to get them out of my way more than to like, you know, actually kill as many as I can. Um, so out of that section and like 
another big kind of chaos section, um, and you know, we might be skipping other things here, but the cabin section in mm-hmm. the original was like a, another big famous set piece that people mentioned um, to this day. And in this one, I'm trying to think back if I liked it in the original, I can't remember. This is one thing that in this game, it felt like too much. No matter how many times I died, no matter how well I thought I was doing, I really just felt like overwhelmed in a bad way, like not in a fun way. Mm -hmm. And like, I got to a point in this cabin defense with Luis where I was like, I don't know what I can do differently. It's just too much. And I started to get that, that bad feeling of like, this is just tuned too hard. I'm going to have to turn the difficulty down to beat this one section and then turn it back up for the rest of the game. And like, I don't mind playing an entire game on easy, but like, I don't like that feeling where it's like, I can't do this one Mm. thing, turn it down, beat it and then turn it back up. And that's the feeling. Now I eventually beat it. I'm not sure what I did differently. Maybe it was the game's adaptive difficulty taking pity on me and just being like, "Eh, you know what, buddy, time to move you on. You're having a bad time. Mm. Uh, But yeah, I, I didn't like the cabin at all. Well, I I liked the cabin fight in the original, but in this one, I liked it more. I had a lot more fun with it, actually. Okay. Um, I died once, and that was it. And the, I died once because I didn't realize about, oh, I can juggle them around this table. Cool. And then I was like, oh, hey, there's boards. I didn't know we had boards this time. And you mm-hmm. can actually board up the windows. And they, they pop up every once in a while. Like, I, I got boards more than once. And so during that fight, I was able to block it off and temporarily leave you know, uh, alleviate some of those, you know, swarms of enemies coming at me. And mm-hmm. with the ladder, I love the ladder. I was going upstairs and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, that guy's about to do an attack animation. I'm going to just roll up this ladder. No big ding deal. And then <laughs> when I'm up there and I go and I attack some people and they're about to come and, and slice at me because they turned into a plug ahead, I was like, oh, bye. I'm jumping off now. And I just jump off and. I would juggle it that way, and it worked just fine. I went there, I went around the table, I was putting up boards, I was whatever, and I did fine. So that's just because you give me places to go, and I will go there, and you give me things, and I will do things with them. So, mm-hmm. you know. So my first playthrough, again, was on hardcore difficulty. Uh, I think I died 28 times at the cabin, or maybe it was 28 <laughs> times during that chapter. It was a lot. I spent a lot of time on it. Uh, however, I was in full on sicko mode. And so I was just like, yes, hurt me more. (laughs) Um, it was, it was a really cool puzzle to solve, uh, to me. And the answer to the puzzle was, uh, remote minds. Remote minds absolutely carried me during a couple of sections of that Mm. first playthrough because, uh, you know, if a bent neck and auto or a big, uh, whippy tentacle, uh, showed up, I just, I, I needed them to die instantly and I did not have enough resources to, to do that. And those allowed me to one shot, uh, big threats. And mm-hmm. so just finding the right rhythm, finding the right way to like, okay, so I'm going to block one window and then funnel them there. I could block both of them now, but if I block one and then leave another one open, then I can kind of help direct the flow of the combat uh, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked it. I think that the, 
the improvements, not the improvements, the changes to the level geometry, adding the ladder, adding the the way that you can jump between the floors, uh, it, it helped improve the flow. Uh, I really liked it. I'm a I'm a big fan. Yeah, I I was a fan of like because that cabin sequence is supposed to create uh, frantic behavior and panic and desperation and just like that feeling that you are surrounded on all sides. And I like, I think that it's really good at creating that. I just really struggled with it. And to the point where it stopped being like that fun struggle, like the village uh, at the beginning, which is a fun struggle. This one was just Mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm, I'm over it. Can we just please take pity on me and let me advance? And I I don't know if that's what actually happened, but yeah. Uh, One thing that I did really like in the remake is um, the Del Lago boss fight as you're going across the lake. Uh, that felt, and it's like, I was thinking about that one because that original boss fight is very 2005 video game. It's arcadey as fuck. Um, yeah. I'll use my infinite supply of harpoons. Yes. Uh (laughs) And so I was wondering as I approached that, I was like, what is this going to be like? Is it going to be, um, is it going to be super modern and like very different? It's not, it's basically the same but modernized and there's a little bit more that you have to account for, but at its core, it's still steer the boat, avoid the obstacles, throw your infinite supply of harpoons. And every now and then it'll jump at you and you have, uh, you have to try and throw a harpoon in into its mouth or something like that. And I thought it was a really nice, like staying very true to what it was in the original. It's still very arcadey. Um, but fitting in with like how modernized the rest of the game is i thought yeah i i wonder what they could have possibly done to modernize that and not make it that kind of straight port uh arcadey feel you know like i don't think they could have done something that would have made it feel any better like i don't know how they could have um They, they would have had to totally overhaul it right you like you would not have been in a boat that's tied to a rope that's tied to a harpoon that's stuck yeah. in the side of it like that mm-hmm. you, they would have had to revamp the whole thing so yeah uh, that yeah. was cool and then this lake section is the one that opens up and lets you explore around and i absolutely ate this up i did everything in this opening uh this open lake section it reminded me a lot of like the open water village section from resident evil five, because in that one you have like a little um, pontoon boat thing Mm. and you could go to a bunch of different areas, Mm. like different villages that were some also islands for some reason. And um, anyway, so like you could go from place to place there and this kind of felt a little bit like that. Yeah. Good, good pull. Although that one didn't Uh, have the golden egg. Those chickens. Oh, the golden egg. Yeah. The chickens. Those were wonderful. I love to see them. That was uh, one of those things where um, there's a boss. Is it every boss or is it just one where you can like one shot them by throwing a golden egg at them? <laughs> yeah, I I wasn't familiar with it, but apparently it's something where in the original game throwing eggs, which you can eggs are primarily a healing item, but you can also equip them like grenades and throw them at enemies, which is mostly just goofy. Yeah. But for uh, the Ramon Salazar fight, uh, he's extre- it does it almost one shots him, uh, which is so strange. But uh, you know what? That's a dominant speed run tactic now. So I'll forgive it. Really fits in with um, 
how much Leon and Salazar like banter and antagonize each other in like a very middle school type of way. So throwing yeah. an egg at somebody mm-hmm. is a very middle middle school type of behavior. It works in my head. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say exactly that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, speaking of eggs, shout out if you're if you're a OG Resident Evil Four real head, you will be comforted to know there is an egg in the oven. Don't worry. Yes, there is an egg in the oven. Mm-hmm. Um. So, any, any other parts? I mean, there's there's the Mendez boss fight in the village too. But uh, anything else that you guys want to bring up before talking about that and then moving on into the castle? Um. I think I think just a general note, and this is kind of true across the entire game. And I'm curious to see if you felt the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, while the game looks incredible, lots of detail, lots of environment, modern graphics often mean uh, more details, just little greebles, little you know, environmental effects, fog and smoke and stuff. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I feel like I felt the clarity of the geography suffered a little bit like the original resident evil 4 i feel like i have a very clear mental map of a lot of the spaces and here i would find myself getting turned around a little bit more um and i think that part of it was just the the higher fidelity the higher resolution uh because there was so much stuff it made it so that the artifice of the level design disappeared a little bit, which is mostly a good thing, but it did feel like I, I didn't internalize the spaces quite as much. I can see that. I, I think there was only like one section in the village when um, right before you get on the boat to go into the lake uh, where I felt like mm-hmm. that, where it was like, oh, it's not this one. It's the other one over there. I have to go over further. Like I kept on messing up like a couple of, passageways or, or turns or something in this one particular section so mm. mm-hmm. i didn't get that feeling at all um, i check the map a lot in the game so i i think like yeah. i'm i'm a map checker in games like i if i feel the slightest like oh i don't know where i am i pull the map up every time so i didn't really i'm not trying to internalize it as much uh especially when i think the map in this game is really great so it yeah. it really helped out a lot. Um, I am also someone who like clutter and environmental details and stuff like that, like literally never bothers me in games. I'm oh, always for Bloodborne's another game where people complain about like, there's a bunch of shit everywhere mm. that explodes into pages when you hit it. And I'm like, that's cool. I like it. What I love seeing mm. big stacks of books everywhere. So in this game too, all of that detail just like really, built out these spaces for me and uh, especially in the village when you're inside these these houses that they live in and you see all the stuff inside and all the gross ass food that they have i'm here for all those details so yeah and i mean don't get me wrong it does look great like i i appreciate looking at all those details for sure yeah so in the village uh the big boss is mendez uh the um the mayor I guess the big cheese, the big oh, cheese. Okay. I'm so it's official they, didn't call, uh, <laughs> they didn't call them that. Did they? No, they, they, they do. When you, uh, defeat the bosses, all of the achievements are references to mm-hmm. that. Right. So I think it's just like, ah, you, you cut the big cheese. I don't know. 
Well, uh, it's something to that effect. I, uh-huh. In the original, that was like probably my most hated line. Was just like when what's his head? <laughs> Luis is just like, oh, he, it's him. It's the big tease, and I was just so upset about it. <laughs> I was so upset about it. That was just like it, it bothered me so badly. So yeah, mm. it's it's dumb. Yeah, I I think he is he's the leader of some kind. I don't know if he's the mayor or some other title. Uh, yeah. but also he's much more clearly a religious leader mm-hmm. in in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's preachy. In, in a very literal sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, he shows up uh, the first time when you meet Luis for the first time, and then he keeps showing up throughout, and uh, then you fight him at the end. Uh, I guess before we talk about Mendez, um, you do meet Luis and Ashley in the village, and I think mm-hmm. that their characters are, like, just straight-up improvements across the board. Uh, I like the visual design for Luis a lot. It's, like, a really minor thing, but, like, the way his face looks in this, it's maybe mm. one of the biggest changes between original and remake faces other than Salazar. Um, I love Luis's characterization in this game uh, because of how they kept his goofy side and really toned down his horny side uh, <laughs> hitting on Ashley. Also, Ashley is much more clearly an adult in this game, which was one of my big things in uh, the original, I went through the entire game thinking Ashley was like 15 because that's kind of how she mm-hmm. looks. And so I was like, uh, Luis, bro, like <laughs> a bit much. Yeah. Uh, but they toned that down in this game. And instead, they focused more on Luis's backstory. And um, I really enjoyed him a lot. And then, of course, we talked about it before. I thought Ashley's characterization, like turning her into a real person is not only good because they turned her into a real person, but she's a cool character now, I think. Like, when she mm-hmm. started talking, I was like, okay, we'll see what Ashley has to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as far as Luis goes, he he has a, um, like, a nervous, like, twitchy energy that yeah. I really like. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's just like, I don't know, he, he feels very off. Uh, and the fact that he turns out to be just like, pretty much across the board just like solid and a straight shooter like he he gives it to you as straight as he can for most of the game um yeah uh, uh he's he's not quite as much of a redemption as uh the Resident Evil 3 remake of Carlos uh because like that character sucked in the original and he's <laughs> great and super charismatic uh in the remake uh but I, I quite like uh, this new Luis, even if his uh, Don Quixote fixation is a little bit uh, <laughs> silly. Yeah, yeah. The thing about Luis in the original is that he looks very much like a Ken doll or something. Like he just doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't have like Spaniard features or anything like that. They actually have a Hispanic person that they use the scan of the face for this one. So I mean, like, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's fine. You know, um, he looks more convincingly like he, even if he doesn't sound that way, uh, like <laughs> right. he, he comes from Spain. But, uh, anyway, yeah, I like the fact that they do give him more backstory and, you know, they give Ashley a lot more line, lines in general, but, uh, also a lot more interactions with Leon. Like when it first started up and Ashley was part of the picture, and the way that they were doing mm-hmm. the camera angles and stuff were such that it's like, oh, but of course, 
Leon has to catch her as she falls and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it zooms in on his chest and it just whatever. And it's just like, oh, my God, this is so cheesy, <laughs> like so trying to be a romance novel. What They're shipping it so hard. Oh, my God. And they calmed it down, thank God. But they, they still have her going throughout the whole thing enamored of Leon and going like, you're my knight, you know, knights uh. <laughs> suck later on in that part. But we'll get there, um, you know, and. Either way, like they actually give her more character and they give, they build up why she has the, you know, feelings that she does for Leon. And Leon actually is like reciprocating to a certain degree, which is surprising to see given the fact that in every other Resident Evil game, Leon's always like, huh, women, women, <laughs> <laughs> women. So it's like there's a little bit of that, but there's also a little bit of like just a Capcom protagonist of just like, I don't quite know how to flirt or have relationships. I think about Dante in his mm-hmm. early appearances where it's just like, oh, he's flirting with everyone. I'm not sure he knows what sex is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so good, um, good characterization and like uh, the friendship or flirting back and forth between Leon and Ashley is way better in this remake, I think like way more um, developed. And so like, we'll get to it at the end, but at the end of the original, Ashley makes this line where she's like, why don't we go back for some overtime? And that like caught me by surprise at the end of that game. I was like, what the fuck in this game? Had she said that she doesn't, but had she said that I would have been like, okay, they at least built up to it a little bit in this game. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, uh, I just remembered uh, another fun little detail. Um, and, and this comes later, but, you know, who cares? Uh, at the end of the game, you get a picture of Luis. Okay, first of all, uh, uh, from this moment on, I'm only going to refer to the characters of Luis Sarah and Albert Wesker as their proper titles, Dr. Luis Sarah and Dr. Albert Wesker, because it's much <laughs> funnier to me that these are doctors and like yeah. research scientists as opposed to just like fucking weirdos who, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what, who, who like to go on Indiana Jones minecart rides. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, you, there's a picture of Dr. Luis Sarah with like, uh, umbrella Europe team six or something, which is a real deep cut reference. Uh, that means that he was on the team that developed the nemesis project. And like, I don't care about the lore of these games that much. It's just like a fun little fact. Uh, but the nemesis is basically a tyrant with a parasite that's driving it. So mm-hmm. the fact that like he had parasite experience, uh, and that's why he got <laughs> poached for, for this new thing is like just a real specific detail that I thought was like kind of a fun way to draw some connections on, on his resume. Uh, Mr. Sarah, mm-hmm. I see you have 10 years of parasite experience. Can you elaborate? Tell us what you were doing there. No. <laughs> no, I will not. Um, so anyway, uh, Mendez, boss fight at the end um, mm-hmm. or near the end of this village section. This was one of my kind of like eh, not so memorable, didn't love it, didn't hate it boss fights in um, the original. In this game, I think it's worse in this game. Uh partly because there is some like action game shit where he's like throwing stuff at you and you're supposed to dodge or duck or dip, dive, dodge again out of the way. And like the control scheme and engine is just not 
precise enough for it. And I was just constantly getting tagged by shit that I was like, I couldn't have done anything there. I just couldn't have. Uh, so I did not like this fight. Del Lago was fun, but then this was like, oh, are the bosses going to be bad in this game? Cause it's <laughs> always a thing with video games. Like the bosses might be dog shit. Luckily this is one of the worst ones I think, but didn't like it. Yeah, so the Mendez fight in the original was, for me, probably the scariest thing that I came across when I was playing the original. Uh, when I was mm-hmm. playing, mm-hmm. because of the fixed camera angles and the darkness and the smoke and the whatever, and then, like, as he's transforming from phase one to phase two and his torso rips and happens, you're just watching this happen, and then he turns into, like, spidery guy and the music mm-hmm. and all of that mess. Like, it, it's not actually that hard of a fight, but, like... You know, um, at the time it was just like, oh my gosh, it was scary to me. Um, but when I was playing this one, I was like, okay, so there he is. Okay. Yes. This fight, I'm looking forward to this. And then he, you know, and when he's transforming in his, you know, transition to the second part of the fight, he walks through some fire and then his body is split in half. Like you don't get to see it, but like this game has all of this gratuitous and wonderfully, you know, uh, painstakingly uh, rendered gore. But mm-hmm. in this case, they, they like, this is a good opportunity to use that and they don't do it. Instead, mm-hmm. he just walks through the flame and then he's got like, you know, st- stretchy body thing going on and you're like, okay. And, then yes, it turns into a shooting gallery. He's over there. You have to shoot him when he's on the wall on these little rails going back and forth, essentially, and throwing shit at you. And it's like, and between that and then catching on fire every time I rolled into the fire, like, uh-huh. I was just not excited about that. And I just basically would do what I mentioned doing in the cabin fight where I would jump off the ledge and climb up the ladder. And that's how I would dodge stuff because that was easier for me. So, you know, use those animations to my advantage. They put them there. So, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. either way, like I didn't, I think I've died once because I wasn't sure what the hell was going on in the, the second part of the fight because it was different, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really a big fan. I was kind of disappointed by that fight in particular because that was the one I was looking forward to. Mm. Yeah. Mendez to me is the uh, kind of the, the worst offender when it comes to like, not quite nailing the uh the villains of the original so first of all he has very few appearances he just has very little screen time which was true in the original as well um but they right before the fight there's a sequence where he shows up and like pursues you while you're running away from him and a couple other things. And it's it's a, it's not the best encounter in the world, but it was like kind of neat to be like, oh, are we getting a little bit more? He's going to do like a little bit of tyrant shit and stalk you around. Uh, and then the very next room is the boss fight. And right before it, Leon is just like, Ashley, if you ever see that guy again, you run. And then he takes one step forward and he jumps <laughs> through a wall. It is like very silly to me. And then, um, like, the thing that, like, kind of bothers me uh, is that kind of across the board, all the villains, it feels like they get less screen time and they try to compensate by having the bosses be very chatty and just constantly be doing little voice lines. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, Mendez just doesn't shut up throughout the entire fight and... That that makes him less scary to me. Yeah. Like, I 
he he was like this big stoic presence in the original and now he just keeps talking um it, it's not a slog like as far as resident evil bosses go you can do a lot worse but um yeah it's not my favorite yeah and i will second that they are definitely like way the hell too chatty it's like it's either this guy's taking a grenade to the face and he's still in the middle of his voice line and he's just gonna keep talking mm-hmm. and it's like can't I shut you up? <laughs> like, at all? Yeah. <laughs> you should at least stop talking for a second when you get hit by this rocket launcher. <laughs> you know, whatever, you know? I don't know about yeah. you all, but when... And this is this is true of most games that do this. Um, Near Replicant does this, too, where the bosses are talking and... Or your characters are talking to each other during boss fights. And I can't focus on what people are saying... Um, first of all, I play games with subtitles all the time because number one, my hearing is deteriorating as, uh, I think a lot of people who wear headphones all goddamn day, like I do probably happening to a lot of people, but that's happening. Um, so I play with subtitles. I can't read subtitles and do a boss fight at the same time. Just can't do it. And even without that, just listening, I can't focus on what people are saying. So Whatever Mendez said, whatever Salazar says during his boss fight, and we'll get to him in just a minute. Um, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you anything they said because I was focusing on trying not to roll into the fire, like Jala said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, onto the castle, and I want to camp out on Salazar because, uh, whatever I said earlier was my least favorite part of the remake. I take it back. Salazar is my least favorite part of the remake. And it's a shame because Salazar was one of my favorite parts of the original. I think they Mm -hmm. murdered this character. He's completely uninteresting now. And it's a total shame. Yeah, I I have to agree with that. I mean, I was really looking forward to the little weird Napoleon guy, you know, uh, you know, comparing dick sizes with Leon. And that's really not Uh what we got at all. We got this little Queen Elizabeth looking (laughs) dude, (laughs) you know, who's like a torturer or whatever, who's like a religious zealot. And it's like, uh, and then he's like there for two seconds. He calls Leon on the radio once and then like, whatever then he just spouts nonsense nonstop when you fight him and you know yeah yeah and this is this is emblematic of them reducing the banter with leon and all the villains it's you feel it the most with salazar because in the original they're constantly just making fun of each other throwing like schoolyard insults there's that one of my favorite little things when leon goes down and i think it's salazar who has the little listening device and he's listening and leon shoots it and he's like ah it's so great. Where's the satisfying sound of one's impalement? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All that is none of that's in this uh the remake. So Sa- every time like Salazar came on, I was looking forward to these moments of them bantering and you know, kind of half flirting with each other, it kind of felt like in the original. Mm-hmm. And it's just not here and it, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a real disappointment to me. Uh First of all, I've seen pictures which are like side by side of Salazar and Margaret Thatcher, which are very <laughs> funny to me. That's great. In general, like, he still has a goofy voice. Like, yeah. But it's not the same goofy voice and it doesn't have the same energy to it. Like, I think that, again, it's not the performance's fault. I, I think that they're they're doing what they wanted. They just wanted something that was a little bit more restrained. Mm-hmm. Uh which is wild to say about Salazar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but like, 
they also just changed him conceptually, where in the original, he's basically this, like, 80-year-old child who has, you know, uh, an arrested aging process due to this parasite. And there's something – I find that very cool. Like, uh, you know, like, child vampires are – as, like, a taboo thing are, like, really – interesting to me and this this feels similar to that um mm-hmm. and and then just turning him into like i don't even like what is he he's just a short guy i guess he's yeah. just a short guy yeah he's I think, a, yeah, just a little little george washington yeah uh and like it if they leaned into like the powdered wig where it was just like oh this is a big presentation thing he's trying to hide something he's trying to like he's got makeup caked on his face in order to like hide these cracks if they leaned into that kind of stuff more it could have worked better but like yeah it's just not that interesting uh compared to how specific of a weirdo uh the original was yeah and like they were trying to do this whole backstory of oh he's like the the you know, ancestral torturer of the castle or something. And it's like, <laughs> you're in a game with all of these weirdos that are all like terrible people. You think I'm going to be worried about a torturer? Like, mm-hmm. no, I don't care about that. We need something else. Give us something else mm-hmm. instead. So, uh, also as a, a minor note, uh, the Verdugo. His uh his twin executioners that flank him, the big uh Ridley Scott aliens that hang out with him, mm-hmm. uh also feel like they don't do very much. In the original, like they're much more clearly his bodyguards. And here they just kind of like hang out menacingly. One of them kidnaps Ashley, and then one gets sent down to you, but like th- there's not as much connective tissue. In the original game, you get to see Salazar order one of them to, you know, go and hunt you in the sewers. And here, you you just don't because you don't get that banter. You don't get that connection. So mm-hmm. one just shows up at one point. And then the other one never shows up again. And it's like, ugh, these are real nitpicks. This is me being real fussy. But it just like, the Verdugo was such a cool enemy in the original and they they have a, a considerably less presence and uh menace to me in the ori- in the remake mm-hmm. well they replaced the second verdugo with the urukai <laughs> the gigantic <laughs> urukai that throws shit at you while you're running around the castle battlements which was a fun section very arcadey uh-huh. there mm-hmm. too but also it's an urukai okay mm. Why not? It, it's absolutely unquestionably an Urukai. <laughs> yeah. I I enjoyed that a lot. That was um I didn't notice it until you you all pointed that out, but I'm I'm notably not a very observant person uh when I, mm. I'm playing video games, so I didn't uh see that. But I like that section when you're going around the ramparts uh hiding, dodging, running from safe place to safe place, doing the puzzles. Mm. That was a good time. Um, on the subject of Salazar, I guess we just talk about his boss fight now. Um, what did you all think before I go into my thing about the Salazar boss fight? So it's weird to me that they have the whole, okay, he's going to, you know, fall down and then like spread gooby stuff everywhere. And then he's jumping mm-hmm. all over the place. And it's like, what is this gooby stuff all over the place? Is this part of him too? Can I just like stomp on it? And then, you know, he's hurt. I mean, like, but no, uh-huh. it's just environmental change for no particular reason. 
okay, cool. But then he's like, not only is he talking nonstop and won't shut up no matter what you do or what you hit him with, but then he's just jumping everywhere all over the place. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess maybe that's fun for somebody. I don't know. I, it wasn't the most exciting boss fight for me. Um, I was like, oh, this is not, there's not as much, uh, going on. It's just him jumping a lot. Mm hmm. I mean, I, I liked yeah. the way that the boss fight felt in the first game because, you know, there were more things going on that you had to juggle than what you have here. Yeah. In the original, he's basically like a stationary turret. He's kind of glued to the wall while he's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, got this big head and there's a couple of tentacles that he's uh, whipping at you. In this, uh, he's very much like the creature from the game Carrion, mm-hmm. where he's just yeah. like functionally flying around the room with these tendrils that like reach out and pull and drag him around. Uh, you know, it's closer to something like a venom than, uh, the original. Mm -hmm. As far as the fight goes, it's, it's okay. It's definitely not my favorite, uh, in the game, but like, uh, the, the, the chattiness of Salazar, like the, the endless stream of voice lines, uh, is a bummer to me. Now, if those voice lines were, like, in the cadence of the original Salazar from the first game, that would be hilarious. I would love that boss fight. It would be a complete reversal of my opinion. But they're not. Or if they just took those same lines and uh, uh, just spread them out more. You know, they establish that he has this, like, PA system where he's able to talk shit. Yeah. And he only mm-hmm. does it twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's kind of what they did, right? Like they took all that banter as you go through the whole castle from the original and just squeezed it all into the boss fight, uh, which mm-hmm. kind kind of sucks. I hated this boss fight so much. Um, I thought the Mendez boss fight was like annoying, but I thought mm-hmm. this one was bad. Like I was playing this and I just thought this sucks. This isn't fun. I don't feel like I can avoid what he's doing. I just kind of like hope I'm not in the spot where he shoots all the shit. Uh, so this was the first of the rocket launcher skips for me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I wondered if you, but by the way, I love that they kept that in this. Uh, it's such a cool mm-hmm. and confident thing for them to do to just let me decide when I've had enough with a boss fight. Uh, as soon as the rocket launcher becomes available, did you all use the rocket launcher for any fights? No. Uh, in my second playthrough on the assisted mode, this was around the time when I got the infinite hand cannon. Okay. <laughs> so just a, a, a infinite ammo magnum, uh-huh. uh, and <laughs> absolutely melted that nerd, which okay. was great. Nice. No less than he deserves. Um, yeah, I used the rocket launcher on this one and then I used it later for another boss fight, but I think it's like scripted. You're supposed to anyway. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm hated the Salazar fight. Let's talk about something that's really great in the castle, which is the Garador fight. Yeah. Uh, specifically the first mm, one. The first the one dark. is absolutely my shit. Remember, I like those sneaky games. So while you let yep. me sneak around and go shoot some people, I am all about that. So, Oh, and they added those like chains mm-hmm. that hang from the ceiling that you have to avoid yeah. touching. I loved, I hated this in the first game. I, I just like, Felt kind of random when I succeeded and when I didn't in the original. And in this one, I was like, oh, this is great. I know exactly how to take care of this. Yeah. And the way that they have the arena set up is such that, like, it gives some destructibles. It gives some places for you to, you know, be behind 
at least at first, until he comes over and smashes them. And when he comes to smash them, it's really good because then you're like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. And you're trying to, like, sneak away and also not get hit because once he finds you, you know, you, you're going to die. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's really fun the way that they have it laid out and, you know, just the additions and everything that they've um, put in that room when you're fighting the Garador in the first place is uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. The the environment, like this this might be my most improved encounter, and I actually do quite like the original Garador, but like having it be like, oh, this is really the only explicitly like stealth kind of you know boss fight, like stealth strongly encouraged uh uh one on one solo fight, and mm-hmm. then having those dangling chains, which like are really obvious there's no mystery but you have to be really aware of yourself and it's really easy to panic and bump into one uh it just makes you interact with the environment in a different way and just felt really cool and really fair Mm -hmm. Uh, i really like the the new garador well part of the reason why it works so well is the fact that for a lot of the game, you are feeling that panic, like you mentioned before, Adam. And here, it is kind of like the controlled version of the panic, where you mm-hmm. are the one who, depending upon how you're playing it, you can set yourself into a panic. But if you are controlled yeah. and you do it just right, you can avoid that panic. So it's actually yeah. giving you like the option to um, play it in such a way that you don't even encounter that feeling. And instead, you get this massive satisfaction that, ha, I killed him without a hitch. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Um, you also get to the point later where you fight two of them at the same time. And in in this is one of my favorite, like, remixes of not like an unremarkable room or encounter from the original, but it's not a big boss fight. It's, it's just a room with two of them and a bunch of other dudes uh, in there. And mm. this is one of my favorite kind of remixes of that, where it's still the same thing functionally but they've just changed it up a little bit like now you've got a table that you can hide behind and uh just it just felt like um more desperation as people kept crowding me and i was running out of ammo and then picking up more ammo and then uh, oh shit the the garador is like coming up behind me here um the first the original version of this room with the two of them felt again very much like I'm not sure how I got through it. And in this one, it was like just a bunch of like good decisions. I felt like that I made that got me through that room. It ended up being super memorable. Mm-hmm. It's something like I should have said this in the non-spoiler part. So ring the bell. But um, one of the best parts about this game and one of the things that like uh, I love the Souls games for is that you can show me any room in any encounter and I'll be like, I know exactly what goes on in that room. They're so memorable. Mm-hmm. And this game does that exact same thing. Uh, So I was thinking in the village, there's a new one where you fight two women with chainsaws and I'll never forget that. Uh, And Mm. then this one's the same one where you're fighting the two uh, Garadors and a million um, little goons in there too. Oh, I will have to stop and say about the two chainsaw ladies. I had an amusing time with that. I, I will never forget it, but not because it was scary and tense, but because I was just like, LOL, that was funny. Um, they mm. came out, I unloaded on them. The villagers threw 
like Molotovs at me and they hit the ladies twice. Nice. And they just got burned <laughs> double. And then like, I just kind of juggled them a little bit and they died really, really quickly. And then it was over and I'm like, okay, cool. Nice. So that's a yeah. notable hide Ashley in a locker uh, yeah. encounter there. Too. <laughs> yep. But yeah, yep. back to the double, uh, double Garador fight. Mm-hmm. Well, I, well, I think that's, that's a really great anecdote because um, getting enemies to attack each other is one of the great joys of this game. Yes. And Garadors will blindly swing wherever a loud noise came from. So mm-hmm. if you want, you can like gather a group of goons, shoot once, and then just kind of scoot off and the Garadors will come and they will rip those guys in half, which is super cool. Uh the the double Garador fight like really highlights a lot of your options because you're panicking at first. Uh, I mean, I did, especially on the, the hardcore difficulty, this was a really challenging encounter where it's just like, shit, how do I deal with this when, uh, uh, one of them now is armored, like, and they're even more resilient and you really can't take them head on. And turns out there's tons of options. Like you can use your bolt thrower, which is silent. So they don't hear it. You can use your bolt thrower and use a mine attached to it and shoot their weak point when they're not paying attention. And that really can do a lot of good work and it doesn't give away your location. Mm -hmm. You can do melee attacks. You can throw grenades. Uh, There are several bells in the room, which you can shoot in order to create a loud noise and cause them to to have red, you know, uh, chase off in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. And again, you can choose to make noise in such a way as to lure them to the wrong spot. So it's a really great feeling encounter where, you know, it's the, it's the souls thing where you start a boss fight and you're like, this is fucking impossible. What do you want from me? And then (laughs) you peel the onion a little bit and you're like, Oh, actually there's a lot that I could do. Mm -hmm. Really good feeling. And you use, this is a good example of like that first one where you're doing the stealth against the one uh, teaches you all you need to know about how those enemies behave. Mm-hmm. And because you're probably not going to be perfect in stealth and you're going to see it like react to a noise and take big swings. And then you can, like you said, you can use all that in that second encounter. And it's just, just really great when I get to use what I know about the enemy to make them work for me, like you said. Oh, and yeah. I definitely was like, Oh yes, you are going to kill all of these guys right here because I need ammo real bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to wait and then, oh, look at the treasures. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the castle, uh, we have a couple other sections that I think I want to talk about before moving on to the island. Uh, number one, the part where you play as Ashley alone uh, when Ashley gets separated and has to go kind of rescue Leon is I thought really fun, which is not something I expected from this. Yeah, it was really, really fun. The fact that she has a verb, she can freeze these, uh, you know, plug armor things when they're coming at her, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. is useful. And then she can like scoot away real quick. Uh, that's, that's really good. And the fact that she is like, I'm not going to run away anymore. And she's saving Leon. That's a very good turn where they've got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as yeah. the premise, like she's doing all this because she has to get him out of a bind because he's stuck. And um, the kind of setup of like the library that she's in 
and you know how you can sneak underneath things it kind of gives it a feeling of being like a little kid who's you know in like an 80s movie mm-hmm. where you know the kid mm-hmm. is the protagonist and is trying to you know foil the big bads or whatever and mm-hmm. has that kind of a feeling cuz you're like sneaking you know underneath stuff and you're not attacking anybody you are just trying to get away from them and and uh, you know obtain whatever your dongle is that you're having to get I, um, I'm fairly critical of the, uh, companion sections in the modern Resident Evil games. I, I don't like them at all in Resident Evil 2 specifically. And this feels a lot like the Sherry section, but just like vastly improved, just much less prescriptive, more interesting scenario, uh, really great spooky atmosphere. And it does something that I really like, which is, um, I talk a lot about, an important thing that horror games can do is make you fumble for your keys. You know, there's the classic horror trope of like, ah, I gotta open my car, but like, I, I'm too scared to, to get the right key in the lock. Mm-hmm. They literally give Ashley a key ring with four different keys. Yeah. <laughs> and if you pay attention to the lock, you can identify which key goes in there. But if you're panicking, you're just like, ah, just, just go. Uh, and, and that's like a really fun panic inducing. Uh, uh, position to be in. Yeah, it's pretty the other all time uh, uh, great example of that is uh, the game Alien Isolation, which constantly has these great little mini games that require you to like turn your back to the hall and hope that nothing is sneaking up behind you. Like, I love that shit. That's great. Mm-hmm. Couple things got cut from the castle that I loved in the original. And was sad to see them not be a part of the castle. Um, that weird lava room, and especially that weird contraption that you ride into the lava room, is not here. <laughs> I was sad to not see that. And uh, there is no giant Salazar statue with hands that work as elevators that chases you out of uh, the castle anymore. Those are both a shame to not see. Kind of understand if they're cutting them for a more quote unquote serious tone. I'm still was still not happy to see them go. Like, yeah, it is a shame in the the sense that, like, we lose some of that, like, absolute audacious nonsense with the the giant Salazar robot stomping towards you. Mm -hmm. But the Salazar robot is still here. It's been moved into that great clock tower fight where you've got the giant spiral staircase and they're dropping the iron balls and you're dealing with it. And now it breathes fire. Well, and those iron balls are so Indiana Jones bullshit because <laughs> they have They're to throw that funny. into every game. Every game has to have the Indiana Jones bullshit somewhere. So, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, so if we're going for realism, how is this the most realistic option here? <laughs> right. Well, in the original game, it's very funny because it's not giant iron balls. It's just barrels. They're just rolling some barrels at you, which... <laughs> Now I have to debate, like, the the merits of, like, is that more realistic? Is that better? I don't know. (laughs) What's more realistic, Donkey Kong or Indiana Jones? (laughs) (laughs) But regardless, like, that whole uh, room, which is comprised of, like, four separate memorable encounters, like, Mm -hmm. uh, really great room, really great encounter. Uh, Also, did you know you can destroy the Salazar head? No. I did not. Yeah. I didn't test it. Uh, but I think he's got a weak point on the back of his head, but also you can just throw a grenade at him and his head blows up, which is oh, also nice. fun. 
Very good. Well, and then the thing, too, is that the Salazar robot tracks for the Salazar of the first game. And Mm -hmm. Salazar robot doesn't really track with the Salazar of this game. So that's actually a great point. Yeah, I can agree with that. As much as I'm sad to see it go, kind of makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Anything else in the castle? Real quick, I think the hedge maze is still one of the scariest sections of the game. Still great. I don't have anything else to say about it. Just want to give it its props. But anything else? Yeah, I like hedge the maze fact- is cool. Oh, uh, they made a couple of small ad- tweaks to the hedge maze, but it's still basically the hedge maze you know and love, and it's full of evil dogs. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like the fact that they give Ashley that moment where she turns the knife on Leon, and then later on she can try about it and just beating herself up about it, and Leon has to mm-hmm. give her that little pep talk. Again, that's more of that, you know, she has a character arc, and she's growing also, and... You know, this also forces Leon to do some growing in order to be there for her, to get her mobilized, mm-hmm. to get her out of there. So mm-hmm. um, some really good bonding, some really good growth on both of their parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, those two cutscenes hit her holding herself hostage and then her, uh, uh, you know, being real torn up about it are probably my two favorite cutscenes of the game. Like, mm-hmm. I think those are really cool and flavorful. They did make me hope that we would get some more explicit like body snatcher stuff where it's just like, Oh, the parasite is driving Ashley, but we don't realize it for a couple minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that would have been cool. I would have liked to see, but like really cool. Like I really like her holding herself at knife point, like real mm-hmm. power play. Good stuff. So onto the island, which is uh, is for as much a claim as the original RE4 has. The island is the section where uh, a lot of people would point to and say um, either it's too long or it didn't need to be there in the first place. Um, I'm mm. kind of in the former camp. Like I, I I like a lot of the set pieces and stuff on the island. It just felt too long. Um, in this game, I really like the island. Like I think it's one of the biggest improvements. Is uh, cutting out a lot of those encounters that felt the same and replacing them or like smashing them all together to make a lot more like memorable stuff happen on the island uh, without anonymous combat in between, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And also the two boss fights on the island, uh, I thought both were bad in the original game and I think both rule in the remake. So it's like across the board, improvements on the island in my opinion yeah so i think that uh michael's comments earlier talking about addition by subtraction specifically is talking about the island and i would Mm -hmm. agree it just feels 
it feels like there's fully uh uh like one fewer chapters mm-hmm. in the island. Like they they cut an entire chapter's worth of content. Um and that's good. Uh this is I talk all the time about how games are too long, about how pacing is really, really important, and most games don't consider it as much. Like, to me, that's Resident Evil 6's real fatal flaw, is that, like, the pacing is just, like, all over the place, and it's very long. Them trimming it down and just having a higher density of more interesting encounters, again, with less kind of anonymous connective tissue and less filler, um, Mm -hmm. makes the island a big improvement to me. Uh, I still could have done less probably. Um, but I'm also in favor of like really radical reinventions and reshufflings, which like this game does a lot of that. But, um, in, in my opinion, they could have gone further if they wanted to. I'm very pleased with what we have, but like they, they could have paired it back even further if they wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same camp. Um, I, have unfortunately at that point i was running through the game and trying to run away from as many people Mm -hmm. as possible to finish the Mm -hmm. game in time um but rolling up on the island and seeing like the compound and like how um you know they've got the searchlights and they've got all of the um laser blocking you know laser stuff blocking the way and all of that stuff it was really fun because it was like oh i feel like i'm in some kind of wild war zone now okay cool you know and Mm. uh it has a really strong flavor to it that leaves more of an an impression on you than the original version did Mm -hmm. Mm. it kind of made me laugh because they have that side by side with all of these like old stone edifices and things like that because there's supposed to also (laughs) be a temple there but like it's still really interesting and really fun. And again, it kind of uh, reminded me of playing like a sniper elite game or something like that, where I'm going through like a military compound and that's how it felt. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to stuff like the regenerators and things like that, like that's fun. They are in body bags. Yeah. Cool. They flop out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We learn how you store those. You store them in bags. That's how you keep them fresh. Right. Which, like, that that does actually track with, um, in the Resident Evil 3 remake, you get to uh, go through some Umbrella Labs, and there are some basically progenitors to uh, the Regenerators, like a, like an earlier, less refined version of them. Mm-hmm. And in those, they store them in these giant, like, vacuum-sealed bags as well. <laughs> so it is interesting to see them, like... Again, kind of take some of that lineage, except put it through the filter of, like, these guys are not a super science lab. They're weird cultists on an island, and so they're going to go for a lower tech solution and just, like, we're going to empty out some boxing bags and shove these guys in and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and put them in the meat locker. I mean, cool. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, but then, like, when you get to the regenerators, like, that's really fun. Because, like, they step up the intelligence and, you know, number of verbs that the ganados have when they come to you and 
the, mm. you know, island part, of course, because that's how it is in the original. This is the end of the game. I mean, you know, they have to have it stepped up there. So when they're doing all of that, they're making them more and more human. So in order to give you the monster flavor, they have to put the regenerators in there. So they mm. have the regenerators and, you know, when they lumber out, they're kind of creepy or whatever. I think they were creepier to me in the original, primarily because of how dark everything was in the original and, um, mm-hmm. The regenerators were like lumbering in such a way that it felt like, Mm -hmm. you know, the immovable object or whatever, uh, coming towards me. And then also the music at that point, like the regenerator music is really, really good in the original. So, uh, here though, they still have a very creepy vibe and they, when you shoot them and they fall over, they, flop around and then they will just like lunge at you, but they don't lunge at you with like their arms and their mouth extended. They're just kind of like flopping mm-hmm. at you in such a mm-hmm. way that it's like, yeah. it gets across to you. This is not natural. This is not like a critter. You know, this is, this is something yeah. driving a body that the body itself is not the thing that you're fighting. And, yeah. uh, it also yeah. takes, um, some of the cues from like Resident Evil 6's regenerating enemies that they have, uh, particularly in like mm-hmm. the Chinese market area. And like it has some of the same movements and movement patterns and things that those did, but they don't split up into little pieces. Like those enemies in Resident Evil 6 would just break apart and then you have to fight a hand that's coming at your face or whatever. And <laughs> they took that out, thank God. But, um, they do still split in half. Like when you kill them, they do split in half and like the torso will be spurting blood and like, you know, lumbering towards you still. And that's something that the Resident Evil 6 um, regenerating enemies also did. That was part of their animation as well. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I really like how, and I don't know if this was in the original. Uh, I don't remember, but I found myself in a situation fighting the regenerators a couple of times where I was out of ammo for the gun that had the, um, the heat scope. scope. Yeah. Uh, so what I had to do was shoot them and it would like blow off the skin where you hit them and you could see the Mm -hmm. parasite that way, even if you don't have the scope. And I thought that was really fucking cool that I was like, fuck, I don't have any bullets for the gun that, I would normally use to take these out. No problem, which is always the rifle by the way, for me. But what I can do is I can shoot them once with a shotgun and literally see the parasite and shoot the parasite again. And I thought that was just a great way to improvise or allow me to improvise there and how you beat them before you get the scope in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a tremendous detail. Um, they they've also just increased the number of weapons that can accept the scope including mm-hmm. uh a second submachine gun which is interesting so uh on my second playthrough i just kind of mixed it up in that way which was fun but uh i think that i i'm going to second jala that i think that they were scarier in the original both mm-hmm. due to the slow pace they were very slow and deliberate the great music which was very memorable to me and then also really loud in the sound mix was their constant hyperventilating, mm-hmm. which was like mm-hmm. real creepy, uh, mm-hmm. real good. And they, they still do it, but it's just not mixed in a way to, to have that be just like too loud in the mix, uh, in a good way. Yeah. It's not all up in your ear. <laughs> yeah. So I do find them less scary, but I find them really fun to fight. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the regenerators. Uh, they really emphasize like the rubberiness. Uh, yeah. I get a very distinct idea of what it would be like to touch one, and it's not pleasant. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the Iron Maidens which in the original were uh that's that's when they transform and they have the spikes all over them. Oh right, right. In the original they were basically just a slightly more difficult reskin of the regenerators where they had like an extra parasite and and that was kind of it. They're very different here. They mm-hmm. like you kill the regenerator normally and then it looks like it's going to blow apart but then it recombines and gets like this rock hard skin which again Focusing on, like, the textures of it is a cool choice and, and makes it feel very tangible. Mm-hmm. But it also changes how you have to fight because they've just got one parasite uh, in their head, but you really have to, like, drill through layers of armor in order to kill it. It's a cool enemy. Well, and then, too, it immediately, as soon as it reforms, it spikes immediately. So if you run up because you want to go get mm-hmm. the goodies and you're, you know, maybe jumping the gun a little bit, then you get attacked immediately. Yeah. Yeah, those are cool. Let's talk about Krauser. So we're talking about things. Um, in my opinion, Krauser was the worst chapter of the original game, like by a pretty wide margin. I really disliked it. This one, you fight him twice. The first one is a QTE, like parry test, basically. And then the second one is um, kind of going through his little playhouse of horrors with all the mines and shit like that. And he's mm. shooting you from the shadows and stuff. I thought both of these were really good. Like not just like, Oh, it was terrible in the original and it's okay here. I was like, no, this is actually really fun. I'm really enjoying this. Yeah. Uh, to, to me, like Krauser. So, okay. So, um, <laughs> the, the thing that I always reference when it comes to this is, uh, the movie Buckaroo Banzai where, if you're not familiar with the movie Buckaroo Banzai and his adventures through the eighth dimension, mm-hmm. basically it's a movie that is designed to feel like you just turned on the TV and you're on season five of some pulp serial that you've never seen. And there's all these characters who have these detailed histories and they're making these long running in jokes. Uh, but it's never <laughs> happened there. It's the only thing that exists like there, it, but it, it, elicits that feeling of like oh i should watch the previous thing uh-huh. like so i could get some context uh that's what krauser is where he shows up and he clearly has a history with leon and, he, and it's no this is the first time he's ever showed up and, and is i have no idea who this person is just, <laughs> at uh, least they try to sure. explain it in the remake you can like read some lore notes if you want ah uh, yeah i guess <laughs> i i'm not crazy <laughs> about them Constantly mm-hmm. trying to be like Operation Javier. You yeah. should play Resident Evil colon the Dark Side Chronicles, the light <laughs> gun shooter for the Nintendo Wii to get more <laughs> more context. Yeah, stop that. What are what you is doing? This Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> it's it's very Kingdom Hearts. Uh, so like I don't care about that. Um, but this is this is maybe the most changed character from the original because in the original he's working for Wesker. And in this, he's not. He's just kind of a crazy guy who had a bad time in a jungle and decided to go apocalypse now. Um, and and it, he just it, happens to be on the same island as all the other shit that's going on. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> uh, yeah, he he just got 
hired somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand. It doesn't really matter. Right. Um, but like, this was another one where it's just like, uh, I don't know about this voice performance when I first heard it. Uh, by the second playthrough, it grew on me. Like, I, I ended up quite liking this new interpretation of the character. He feels very, um, in, in the mold of Virgil from Devil May Cry at this point, where he's just like, kind of got that cadence and won't stop talking about power. He loves power. <laughs> and by power, I presumably mean like the ability to punch things hard or, or shoot them with guns. Not soft power. <laughs> Not the power of friendship. Maybe the power of friendship. We'll loop back. We'll, we'll consider that, but mostly power. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is an archetype that doesn't really do a lot for me. And I don't really know what they were going for with the conclusion of his story where Leon kind of mercy kills him. Like, I'm not sure what I was supposed to take away from that. It was kind of a weird choice. Uh, but both of his fights, I think, are super fun. And the second fight, especially in the original game, Krauser's got like spider robots and flying drones that he's using against you. And it feels <laughs> real weird and out of place, even on the Resident Evil 4 curve. And here it's much more him like doing guerrilla warfare shit and yeah. setting up more conventional booby traps. Uh, it feels more in character. I, I suppose. And, um, and they're both really fun encounters to, to play through. Yeah. And it's also, um, more arcadey again to kind of, uh, bring that mm-hmm. back up. There's, there's multiple boss fights in here where they're trying to get more of that old arcadey feeling. So, um, the Del Lago fight in that respect is not really out of place because they do it there, but they also do it with the Mendez fight where they've got him on like the little, you know, mm-hmm. th- shooting yeah. gallery kind of deal going on. And then also in the Krauser fight, he's over there or, in, or on the buildings throwing shit at you. And it's very, very arcadey. The Urukai part, that's also another arcadey part where it's like you have to dodge the, mine the stuff or the minecart, yeah. you know, the minecart, which by the way, we didn't even talk about the minecart, but the minecart is fun. We skipped over the minecart. We, we missed well, the minecart. The minecart is so great. I loved it so much. <laughs> it, it was very fun. It's also very Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that part was very much improved for me, like a thousand million billion percent better. So, yeah, I, I really like it. And also just having Luis there with you uh, was yeah. a really great choice to just let him live a little bit longer. And then, OK, dovetailing back into Krauser. Krauser is the one who kills Luis in, in this uh, version rather than Sadler, mm-hmm. which does mean that Sadler doesn't get as much screen time, which is, again, a problem that we've talked about before. But it. I, it's a really big improvement. Like his death feels like it has a purpose in the story. It feels like it has context and it helps tie into Krauser as a character. So I, I really like that change as well. Yeah. And going back to Krauser and or rather continuing with Krauser. Um, so his voice annoys the shit out of me. It did not grow on me. <laughs> it, may, it will probably never grow on me because once I have a decision about that kind of thing, it just doesn't change. Um, so <laughs> You know, uh, that is what it is. And if I hear rookie one more, oh, I, I hate it. I hate <laughs> it so much. Like, are you, wait, mm. uh, you know that he was talking about the dog rookie, right? <laughs> he just kept talking right? about my, rookie. Yeah. Yeah. Who is a sweet boy and is sleeping right now. Yeah. 
Krauser Rook- loves Rookie. Rookie is okay. Rookie is not okay. Yeah. It sounds like a little gremlin. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, the, the fights are definitely way improved. I mean, like, come on. In the original, you had the whole QTE knife fight. That's a low bar to get over that, you know? I mean, really. Mm-hmm. I will admit in 2005, I thought that was really fucking cool. I'm sh- yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but on replays, when you have to watch the whole cutscene and just do the QTEs, like, ugh. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a low point on replays. Yeah. I, I never thought it was cool. I always was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> but anyway, th- that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, like his character, uh, I, I don't like how they, they changed him because like, I liked, he, he had more intelligence to him when he was working for Wesker in the original version. And then here it's mm-hmm. just like, he just, just heavily suffering PTSD and now is just, you know, uh, rolling with the cult people because they can give him the ultimate power and mm-hmm. ultimate power. yeah it, uh, that's also not a trope that works for me either so that was disappointing but yeah so it goes i i can't say that i like all of the subterfuge in the original because it's just like Krauser's working for Wesker and he's loyal to Wesker, but Ada's also working for Wesker, but she's she's a wild card, so I don't know. So they're mm-hmm. both working together, but they don't trust each other, and but they're also working for Sadler, but he's trying not to let that on to that. And it's just like they remove a lot of that, which I think is fine because I don't feel like it added a ton. No, it didn't um, add a ton. But, it, <laughs> but 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 it did kind of round down uh uh Krauser to be this kind of yeah, simple uh, uh, character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His fight's real fun. It's fun to knife him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the fight, the second fight, the one where you're actually fighting him in the original game, I thought was, because it was on a time limit, too, in the original game, which is just That's right. awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, hated that so much. And in this one, it's just, you know, you're fighting against, you know, a, a professional a military man and he uses all the tools that a military man would. And then he does split into the, um, like the parasite version later. And that's creepy, but like, it's not, not a big deal. Cause again, you're not on a time limit. Uh, you can kind of mm-hmm. take your time and fight it the way you want to. So big improvement. IMO. Yeah. I think an interesting change is that they change his, um, in the original, his arm is like, this bladed metal wing kind yeah. of it feels very metallic to me uh and in this mm-hmm. now it's like he 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 one arm turns into a big claw that he uses as a shield and then he has like kind of a sword and board kind of a uh, uh, stance against you which is mm-hmm. kind of fun yeah. also minor note <laughs> in a very uh uh resources small resources large uh situation throughout the entire game you've got the combat knife but when you defeat krauser you pick up his knife which is the fighting knife yeah (laughs) (laughs) well in the way that they had him set up with like the the wing looking arm was so Mm. sephiroth to me at the time it was just like yes Mm. oh we're going there are we okay (laughs) Um, let's see on the island trying to think about other memorable things before Sadler, before you fight Sadler. Um, they added in a new section set piece to, um, 
the part where you reach the conveniently located parasite removal machine uh, at the end, mm-hmm. which I laughed out loud when I got to that for the first time in the original. Like, oh, how convenient. I'm feel, starting to feel the effects now. And the next room we go into has this amazing machine that will remove the parasites. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, they put in a kind of a section where Leon can barely walk anymore. And then they put in like this kind of hallucination, like walk toward the light type thing that I thought was very cheesy and like almost didn't fit in what was going on. But again, it's resident evil Four. it's cheesy. If it's cheesy, I don't care. If It's trying to be like super serious Then I'm like, "Eh, I don't know, but this felt cheesy enough. Yeah. To, To me, it's, um, the dose makes the poison. I would have liked this more if they had sprinkled more of this throughout the entire game at like low level. Like imagine you're in the middle of a big encounter and then the screen, you know, does that like inverted flashing where, you know, oh, suddenly there's water on the ceiling and I'm hallucinating a little bit. But like Mm -hmm. you're still in the middle of a fight. Like if they had sprinkled it throughout a little bit more, if they had made it feel like an escalation, if they had made me feel that the the parasite was becoming an active problem through play mm-hmm. rather than just putting it all in one section right there at the end. I would have felt better about it. It's not awful, but it feels a little bit like you're playing Metal Gear Rising and then you have to slowly walk forward for three minutes and it's like, yes. come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. To me, it feels like they had this idea when they were already pretty far in the production of the game, and they just were like, oh, what if we did this thing? That sounds really cool. Let's do Mm -hmm. the thing. And then they didn't uh, Mm. think further about that, about how to tie it in to where it actually makes some kind of sense. Uh, with like his, cause they, they go to the trouble of like showing the advancement of how the parasite is affecting their bodies. And, you know, mm-hmm. like you see it taking over their bodies this entire time and like, you know, them struggling where, you know, especially when the, uh, red robed guys will be chanting and then like Leon will just yes. like wig out a little bit. Um, uh-huh. and that's great, but like they could have also had you know at the same time when you're having that moment they could have also tied in some of the visual effects that they were using at this end part here but they didn't so that's why i say it makes me feel like it kind of like was a thought that they had near the end of the development cycle and they just didn't you know uh Mm -hmm. incorporate it yeah i i didn't even think about the um the the red zealots like causing you to like because they they do do that um yeah if they had continued that and like made that more of a part in in the play uh and then toned this section back have it be half as long then i think that could have felt really good really you know sell sell the point drive it home mm-hmm. uh and it it doesn't quite work it feels like how salazar doesn't talk to you enough and then he doesn't shut up during his boss yeah. again it's like you know it, it it's just about the 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 pacing of it a bit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I said that something similar in the original game episode where mm-hmm. you they tell you that the parasite's a giant problem when Leon gets infected near the beginning, and then it's not a giant problem in the slightest until it's time to remove it, basically. Like, you know it will be a problem, but it feels like it should be a bigger problem right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So Again, give me, give me just a five-minute stretch where uh, Ashley 
is acting a little bit weird because yeah. she's being body snatched and you don't realize it immediately. Yep. Uh, one more set piece, I guess, before Sadler uh, that I think has to be mentioned is Mike. Mike! Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, for all the things that we talked about as like, you know, being toned down or like super goofy things being removed. Mike is still goofy as fuck. The entire section is still extremely goofy to me. Um, never for a second when I see a helicopter in these games, do I think it's not going to crash? Uh, there's <laughs> helicopters don't stand a chance uh, in this game. So even in the original, when he first pulled up, I was like, Oh, that's nothing good's going to happen there. Um, but really fun. Uh, I thought to, like this, this felt really expanded based on my memory of the original, which I only played a year ago, but memories, my memory being what it is, um, this turned into a whole thing where you're like going through multiple levels and fighting a bunch of dudes. And then like you turn a corner and Mike shoots the dude that's right in front of you. And it felt like a really cool action set piece. I'm going to maybe claim myself as the resident evil Four authority, uh, this, mm-hmm. it's very similar to the original. Like they okay. really don't, uh, adjust too much. Like the, the geography and layout, uh, are all the same. The, the anti-aircraft gun is the, the one thing that they added. Right. But that's a really yeah. cool addition. Like I really mm-hmm. like that. Um, the way that you have to trade back and forth with Mike, uh, a few more times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like they give Mike a different accent. He's Southern now. Um, yeah. it sounds like Georgia to me, but anyway, uh, definitely not like New York <laughs> the way it used to be. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, they gave him a different accent with a, which a lot of people were like, what, what's going on? And then I was actually kind of sad that the death scream, like, you know, like, uh, Leon's mm. scream when, when Mike goes is just like, Mike, you know, like, <laughs> you know, well, I but mean, like, I guess he realizes he realizes Mike's not going to hear him anyway, but like, you know, uh, I do like the fact that they have like the bug novisadors, uh, come up and attack mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what's taking him down. I like that part for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then when the helicopter crashes, it explodes into a huge fireball and Sadler is illuminated against oh, the that flames. That was so cheesy. <laughs> it's so cheesy. Uh, okay. I fucking that, love it. That and, um, during the El Gigante fight, the first one, uh, when the dog shows up, it shows up on the, the cliff and howls into the sky and is illuminated yeah. by a bolt <laughs> yes. of lightning. Both it's of those fantastic. hilarious. By the way, we, I, I forgot to talk about that. That was a great fake out by them to put the dead dog in the demo and make people think like, mm-hmm. oh, you can't save the dog. And then you can, because of course you can. Why would they cut that out? <laughs> hey, it's that dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sadler. Let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the ending. Um, so mm-hmm. I think Sadler was like an okay fight in the original. I really liked it in this game. Um, I just thought it was a great, like weird spidery boss fight following you around. And then like, I have just enough time to maybe shoot one or two of those little eyes that are on his legs. And then I have to like really uh, find a new safe place. And I felt like it was just mm-hmm. a really well-balanced really well thought out fight. Um, and then the third phase is so weird. It's like cosmic in a way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
And I used a rocket launcher there uh, just because I was like, oh, I'm not fighting that. Whatever that is, I still have a rocket launcher. I'm going to use it. But I I guess if you just play it straight, Ada gives you a rocket launcher during Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, we had the right idea. Me and Ada, we got Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) I thought that fight was fun. Um, Despite Sadler as a character uh, just being there and then you fight him, I thought. It's it kind of harkens back to a lot of other uh, instances of large gooby boss thing with glowing bits that you attack. So, I mean, like mm-hmm. it for somebody who's played lots of Resident Evil games, like it just feels familiar. I, I wouldn't say that it's like, yeah. oh, it's 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 not a revolution, let's say. Um, it is kind of like more of that Resident Evil boss fight thing. At least for it me. It feels very much like... Um, and Dave, if you're not familiar with the trajectory of the series, buckle up. It feels very much like in Resident Evil 5 when you're fighting the giant thing on the boat that you're shooting with the satellite laser. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like this big, <laughs> massive, like, worms and glowy bits. Okay. Uh, it's my ultimate makeover! But... Okay, sorry. Hey! Anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm swimming here! <laughs> Shut up, Irving. Shut up, Dr. Ricardo Irving. That's right. Everyone's you will address everybody here. properly. <laughs> he did go to eight years of evil science school to be called <laughs> Mr. Irving. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sadler as a character uh, suffers from a lack of screen time, and they change him so, like, in the original, I felt much more like he was an opportunist who was creating this cult and this persona in order to take advantage of a mind control parasite. He feels much more like a true believer here. Yeah. Which I don't think I love. No. Like, I... I, My favorite version of the story is, hey, we kidnapped the president's daughter. We infected her with this thing. And now we're going to put up just enough resistance to be convincing. But we want her to get rescued and taken back to to the United States where she can spread the infection. Like, I think that's a really cool plot that doesn't happen in either of these. I really thought that they would do that in the remake. I thought that that would be something that they leaned into. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't even think that they mention how they plan on getting her back to the States or why they, they're putting up such so much resistance. Now the original had like real, not not capital R real, but it had like commentary on like the war on terror and like the U S policing the world and <laughs> yeah. shit like that. And they don't mm-hmm. say any of that stuff in the remake. I thought that was funny in the original, like this is Very how they're going to get back at the U S uh, for all of it. All the U S is meddling in foreign countries is send the president's daughter back infected and all that. And in this one, it just, they just want to do some resident evil shit to her. That's it. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, there's a note uh, that Krauser has with Sadler, where it's just like, soon our plans for world domination will, like he says the <laughs> words world domination. And I'm like, fiction writers, don't, don't, don't use that pair of words. Just, you can do better. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, the, the motivations I, seem pretty blah. I mean, like, I'm a true believer in the faith of Las Blagas. I mean, like, that's that's not compelling to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. the uh, um, the ending of the game, uh, famously, you escape as the whole complex is going down. You grab Ashley and you escape on a jet ski 
because yeah. action movie. Um, the original game, I hated the jet ski sequence. I just thought it was super fiddly and hard to execute. Uh, in this one, mm-hmm. it's great. It feels like an action escape sequence. I loved it. And then um, Lee, <laughs> very funny, uh, similar to um, a Hitman level where you escape an, an island in the Maldives by swimming away from it. Um, <laughs> this one, kind of the same way where you get on a jet ski and just ride out into the sea. Who knows where you are, where the nearest <laughs> land is, but just riding out into the sea. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it can't be that far, but it doesn't look like that the way the camera frames the shot. So mm-hmm. um, did y'all have fun with the jet ski escape? I was so tired and fried trying to finish <laughs> oh, the game no. by the time I got to that, that I died several times. And it was like, I know this is not hard, but I am just tired. <laughs> no. But I did get through it eventually. And I'm like, thank God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I know I wouldn't have had that problem if I was, um, you know, like spacing it out more. Yeah, I'm I'm OK with it. It doesn't bother me uh, terribly. I really like the bonus shop stuff that they have in um, the modern Resident Evil games. And they have just like all kinds of fun little challenges, you know, basically like little achievements that give you points that you can spend on 3D oh, models and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I like all of that. Uh, so I was trying to do the challenge where you go through it without taking any damage. Uh, that took more tries than I would like. So mm-hmm. uh, not not a damnation of the thing, but like, it's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to do it, but you can still do sick jet ski tricks. You can oh, like really? do barrel rolls and shit. Nice. I don't know how, but you can. <laughs> I saw a video. I, I, I always just like doing the jet ski part in the original. I, I just felt like it should be an interactive cutscene. Basically, I don't want to die doing mm. the jet ski escape because I agree something fell from the ceiling and I missed it. I didn't see it in time or something. Uh, and I got out in one try in the original and the jet ski felt responsive. And uh, yeah, just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then Ashley does not make the comment at the end about going home uh, for some overtime uh, with Leon. Yeah. They have a much more, a much sweeter kind of conversation as they go. I think Ashley talks about like, eh, maybe I can be a special agent like you someday, Leon. And he's like, yeah, maybe kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, oh, maybe I can get you assigned to my detail. What do you think? And he's like, you right. don't need me. And yeah. I mean, she she kind of and like kind of finishing up with her character arc like when you're on the island with ashley anytime there's a like hey ashley i need you to like i'll boost you up over this wall i need you to go unlock the door on the other side uh she's not scared of that stuff anymore she's like yeah no problem i can do it she she says i'm like she says i'm a master of unlocking i think at one point yeah she does funny (laughs) but Mm -hmm. she's uh kind of rounding out her character arc she's very confident and capable by the end uh, by the island basically and then it's very funny to me that she's like i'm getting really good at this and i'm like opening up doors good for you <laughs> yeah i like, guess you i guess you did climb that ladder <laughs> don't get cocky <laughs> yeah but yeah any thoughts about the ending I wouldn't mind seeing Ashley again, and that's saying something because I didn't like her in the original game, but I like the remake version, and I wouldn't mind having her pop up again, actually literally being an agent or whatever, like Sherry, Mm -hmm. you know? Keep dreaming, because Resident Evil does not bring its characters back, unless your name (laughs) is Chris Redfield. Yeah. Yeah. I've got two comments about the credits. Uh, One, in the original game, 
they have these like series of illustrations showing like the idyllic, you know, country life that uh, the villagers who would become the Ganados had and showing them like being people Mm -hmm. before being, uh, uh, you know, transformed by the cult. And they do that again here. But something about the presentation does makes it not hit the same way. Like, it doesn't feel as tragic. Uh, and, and I don't know if, if you guys felt that, but it felt more uh, clinical because it's like a, a series of photographs rather than these evocative illustrations. Mm. But two, they also put a really weird vocal song at the end of this game. <laughs> and I, I don't know why. <laughs> I'm never ready when games do this, especially when games like you know near automata they have vocals the entire soundtrack so when it comes up in the credits i'm ready but for this and um metal gear solid uh when there's like vocal songs in the credits it's just like whoa okay that we're taking the credits real seriously now for some reason <laughs> yeah goofy choice yeah well the very end end bit with ada and wesker okay you get to see wesker mm-hmm. finally uh, you haven't seen him all game, yep. but you were expecting him. You just didn't get him until the end credits. Um, mm. But like that whole part, Ada is finally shown to have some kind of a conscience. Like it's kind of like they took the very end of Resident Evil 6 where we last saw her and, you know, where she just kind of blows up all this stuff, you know, where where she has like a clone and all this other mess. Uh, spoiler for Resident Evil 6 old as hell game Dave, it's great it's so much wilder than you could ever imagine it's, oh, I've, I've heard i've heard um friend of the show uh keith from the main quest podcast has a a series that he's been doing where he does whole episodes about resident evil games but only the story no mm. gameplay at all which is a, mm. a wild concept for podcasts but it's very entertaining yeah mm. so so anyway, it takes kind of like the feeling that you get at the end of Resident Evil 6 with Ada, but inserts it here in Resident Evil 4, where you start to see her being, okay, maybe she's not so bad after all. Yeah. As far as Wesker goes, so it's come to my attention that Ada's not the one who gives Wesker the Plaga that he uses in Resident Evil 5, which I assumed was correct due to video games uh (laughs) but i would really like that to be i would like this to be the moment where they break from continuity where they're just like nope this is the the pivotal point ada chooses not to deliver the plaga wesker doesn't do his resident evil 5 shit and if we get a resident evil 5 it's totally different Mm. that's what i wanted for resident evil 4 I was really skeptical that they would be able to pull it off. And I was like, I would love to have Resident Evil 4 be a clean break in continuity. Resident Evil 4 is, uh, uh, you know, Leon and Jill going to Umbrella Europe and, you know, uh, infiltrating the labs and then things go wrong there. Totally new game, totally different story. We're, we're, we're breaking away from the continuity. I feel like the Resident Evil continuity has so much baggage and we are at the cusp of it uh, uh, suffocating once again. Mm-hmm. Like Resident Evil 5 is the moment where it becomes too burdensome and I stop being into it. So I, I'm really curious about what they do. I'm pretty wary about it. Like they knocked it out of the park on this one. 
But all of the options going forward to me seem bad. Resident Evil 0, no good. Code Veronica, no good. Resident Evil 5, mm. So, yeah, who knows what, what the future is going to hold in store. I don't know. But I was wrong this time. Maybe I'll be wrong again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I wonder what they would do if they were to do a Resident Evil 5 anyway. Try to remake that because that's a co-op game. Uh, they would have to completely retailer that in order to make it kind of fit the cadence of the remake universe. So, mm-hmm. you know, like from here, the next logical step would not be to go to let's do co-op games, guys, you know, like with lots of arcadey segments, but they do have those arcadey segments here. I don't know. I mean, they do have a little bit of, okay, you have a companion, your companion is doing stuff. Maybe they retailer it where Sheva is just, you know, your Ashley figure, but that doesn't even make sense. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how they would do that going forward. They shook up this game quite a bit. So I I think, you know, if, if the quality I'm, you know, I'm just taking literally everyone's word, basically, if the quality of the other Resident Evil remakes. And now this one uh, continues. Mm-hmm. If they choose to do RE5, then um, I'm pretty sure that one's going to be pretty cool too. So uh, I think that this is a good place to say thank you to you both, Adam and Jala, for taking three and a half hours to talk Resident Evil 4 remake <laughs> with me. Um, Jala, yeah. I, I see you over there. You are a trooper uh, for sticking this out. And Adam, I appreciate you. Thank you both for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to record with you too, Jala. Yeah, we'll be doing it again soon. Dick mm-hmm. Tracy. I know. Yay. Dick Tracy. Hell yeah. So uh, another recommendation for everyone who's still listening to check out Halftone Takes. Enter the survival horror for your tabletop um, survival horror needs. Jala-chan's place for fun and important conversations and the level for all things video games. Uh, All great things that you should go check out. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next time for the next game to come out of the backlog. I remember those lost in the dark The bullet or the blade that kept us apart But I've been moving on Can't be still for long Cause it's the only way Never ache for a place called home Can't hold on so tight, gotta let it all go I have a purpose, it's all that I need To help me find my way Every day Keep your eyes on the road ahead Don't be drawn into the light or the shadows in your head Keep your eyes on the road ahead And don't ever look back, don't ever look back